have I got a story for you. A three-foot, 40-pound wooden fisherman is out there leading a more exciting and fulfilling life than you. No shade, just truth. It's a fact that you're going to have to accept, and after getting to know today's guest, that fact will hopefully change. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is the cute, quaint corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed because AndrePsyche.com is tucked away in the northwest part of the internet. Let me give you a little preview of the plethora of potential purchases awaiting your perusals. We're talking literature, clothing, paintings, prints, prints, not prints, but prints, accessories, music, poetry. Gonna love this dude's music. And, or even best of all, or better than best of all, he is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So Andre can make any fucking thing. All you got to do is give him some details and he will hook it up and it will be marvelous. So go to AndrePsyche.com and see what speaks to you because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Please do the pod a favor. I know, dear listeners, friends, dare I call you, that you want to support this podcast. Take a moment right now and push the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. And while you're at it, if you're looking for a little more finger workout, rate and review the pod, especially if you're listening on Apple. How else can you support this podcast? Thank you for thinking of that. You can go to patreon.com and search Getting to Know You pod all one word, and become a subscriber. You can also friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in over 30 different countries and the majority of states in America. So again, if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Jeej. And Jeej was kind enough to write his own intro because I kind of asked. I'm getting a little lazy. Who is Jeej? He is the caretaker. Keeper of Chronicles and voice of Captain Ahab, a three-foot-tall, 40-pound, bright yellow wooden fisherman slash wannabe pirate captain. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> you have no idea about the story we are about to get into. Jeez, you're hired, man. You're fucking hired. 
How much? <laughs> How much per episode to write? <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, it sounds funny hearing somebody else say that. That's usually how I sort of start my my talks and things. So, so was I even close to when you're writing it in your head? The enunci- I've actually never had that done for something I've written is listen to someone else read it. So I've started thinking as soon as I take liberties with enunciating, with pauses, with emphasizing, um, did it flow the way you thought it would flow? Oh yeah, yeah. I think you should start coming with me on the road, basically, and you can be the the intro guy. Hype man, I live to be the hype man. All I need, what's the what's the um? Is it a bullhorn that they get? <laughs> and yeah, I can just walking around to be the voice, the hype man, <laughs> get the crowd going. Well, Gigi, I guess I never actually formally thanked you, although I think I did thank you. But thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for writing. Oh, thanks that. for having me. Thanks for um taking time and. It's funny, again, so um, Dylan, I think he was guest 41, Dylan from Hawaii shot me a couple names and he was like, dude, you got to try to get this Captain Ahab on yours. And I'm like, what? He was like, this dude literally totes around this big wooden looking dwarf thing and he just makes it his thing. And I'm like, no, you're lying. And sure enough, man, Instagram has confirmed it. That is exactly what happens. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm sure we'll tell a story about Dylan a little later because he's been a, a very important part of this uh, lifelong adventure we're having lately. He's Has been he? around since 2016 now. So oh, no he's part way. of the crew. No, dude, let's start right there, man. How? What's the Dylan connection? That's interesting. <laughs> sure, we can start with Dylan. So in 2016, I was invited to speak at his uh, alma mater, Western State Colorado University. And I did uh, four different uh, presentations for the for the orientation, and Dylan was one of the leaders for it. And usually we do a presentation, and then at the end we uh, get into like bucket lists and things, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little more. But all the leaders also did the bucket lists, and he just really connected with what I was saying. And I always offer anybody who's listening if they have a you know a bucket list idea that or you know a bucket list thing that they want to do or they want to see captain ahab do all they have to do is sort of ask and we'll use our network to help them achieve it and since then dylan on his bucket list was like join the peace corps go to nepal hike everest all these all these things and we were set to he was in the peace corps in nepal last year before covid brought him back and we were set a couple months ago in May, we were supposed to do the trek to Everest Base Camp with Ahab. Right. And it sort of, like everything else in the world, it fell apart because of COVID, but we've rescheduled for this coming May when Dylan goes back to finish his uh, tour of the Peace Corps. Yeah, and so, and he told me he's going to, like, it's not just hiking Everest. Isn't he doing, like, a marathon or some also, like, weird base camp thing there? So he wants to, this is like the he's get not. his feet wet with Everest, and I think he's got a lot more planned to involve Everest, but I'm, I'm we're going to see if we can get through this first one and then go from there basically. Dude. Yeah. When, um, well we still, it's funny. And that's actually been one of the cooler things is like, you get like little side messages with people every here and there. Cause mm-hmm. you, I mean, dude, you spend a couple hours chatting with somebody and then you start following them on social. Like you, you start you know, getting to know people. 
and the messages and the training things that he does, man. Um, oh yeah. Like, if you're seeing all, yeah. If you're following his feed, he's, yeah, I'm like, dude, he's nuts. much more in shape than I am. I haven't <laughs> even started restarted yet training. <laughs> you got the COVID 1900, not just the COVID 19. Yeah. Well, we were, we were pretty hardcore into the training and we had it all planned out and we only canceled three weeks before the trip. So we were all yeah, you were almost pretty top down, shape man. and really excited about it. Um, but then it got canceled and we all said, all right, time to, uh, we well-deserved time off. So what we've all you- sort of, I mean, they're out in Hawaii training the new group right? and I'm over here in Massachusetts, just sort of taking my time until it's time to start again. Is there like, do you just Google, how do I train for, to climb Mount Everest for something like um, that? Or is it, uh, yeah, I'm just curious about that. So for me, it's a little different because. It's not just like, okay, here's your itinerary and your packing list and all that stuff. It's here's all that plus 43 pounds as a handicap to go with you. So it's the way we're training is I literally customize the backpack for Ahab and I'll strap them to that and then put an extra 20 pounds on it. And we just go down to like the college and hike the stairs in the science building, or we just go for hikes and things. And it's just been sort of used getting used to the weight more than anything, I think with all the trips we've done hiking, you know, in national parks and things that there's a, the mental part of it, I think we have down for the most part, but it's, it's the weight training. I think that's going to be the the harder part. And are you planning to like get to the top, to the death zone? <laughs> no, no, we're going to base camp and going to say hi to everybody there. And that's about as, as far as we want to go. For me, Everest is sort of, it's turned into that tourist trap if you have enough money anybody can do it type of thing so it's i don't know there's just a line you see the pictures of everest where there's just a line of 200 people waiting and it can get very dangerous and those type of things so yeah that who knows i'm sure we're going to make a bunch of friends when we're doing it on the way up and down and the people that sort of live at base camp and everything and they might you know come up with some crazy plan in the future to get them to the top but i definitely have no interest in uh (laughs) wearing the oxygen mask and sitting up there and that type of thing. Not yet anyway. Right. And so then to go to base camp, that doesn't seem like you would need to work out to sit around at a base camp. What am I not understanding? <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's 80 something miles essentially round trip. Uh, and the elevation is the issue. So you have to take your time and acclimate and things. So a lot right. of people, you get more sick from acclimation and things like that. And just carelessness is really, really the issue with a lot of hikers, I think, or inexperienced hikers, I would say. Gotcha. But, yeah. Cause it's, yeah. I'm sorry. And just again, for people listening, I shouldn't say again, but I almost mentioned on every pod, we're not using um, video. We're just using audio. So I tend to have the habit of interjecting in people's midstream of thought. And I um, always have to apologize for that. Um, but what I was wondering was, cause you can only go you can only, your blood can own, God, if I knew how to actually formulate a question, <laughs> there's like an algorithm of how much your blood can handle as you elevate, right? It's almost like the, the deep sea divers or whatnot, right? right. Like you can't come up too fast or else your shit explodes within you. Yeah. And acclimation is sort of the same. It's different for everybody, but there's only so far you, you can go and not sort of take that break and acclimate to that next thousand feet or whatever the markers are. There's, there's so many little villages on the way up. It's pretty straightforward how, how to 
plan your route, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've only been above or around 15,000 feet a few times and it definitely makes you feel a little, you know, loopy. It's almost like you get a buzz in a way. 15,000 feet. That's basically three miles in the air, right? 5,280 feet in a mile. Yep. Jesus, dude. Yeah. I went to Mexico city once and, um, climbed and I'm decently in shape, you know, like I run five K's. I jog pretty regularly. Um, five, 10, 165, 170 on a cheat day, you know, Mm -hmm. but like I walked up three flights of stairs, dude. And I was gassed, gassed. I I, like, it was the oddest thing. I'm like, why, why am I sweating and breathing so heavy? And I think Mexico city is like maybe six thousand. I think it's a little higher than Colorado or than Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, but dude, I can't imagine what 15,000 feet does to you. Yeah. It's a, I mean, and this was, I was in Ecuador and this was pre Ahab, I believe it was right before it all really got started. And yeah, we were, we were probably 30 yards from the top, but we were sort of in a cloud and we were just doing circles and we had no idea. And it was crazy. And when we got down, it was one of those things where it, it was funny at the time, but we realized, you know, what all the advice about not really going up that high meant. When, when but, you say doing circles, you didn't realize that you weren't climbing to the peak. Or you oh, got... we, we were all like on a plateau right before the peak and some sort of mist. Uh-huh. And we just kept like going around the, the ridge of it in a way and just sort of kept walking by the actual path type oh. of thing. It, but Could... when you looked back at it, you were like, it was blatantly obvious, but it was just the altitude that was sort of making our brains a little foggy too. Can you describe, like, is the fog like a drunk fog, a pot high, a mushroom high. Is there any like comparable, not, not saying you do drugs. I don't want to put that on you this sure, early sure. on, but no, I think it's just that little, like if you have a, a beer or two type of thing where you know, you're, you know, you're, you're still, you can formulate sentences and that kind of stuff, but you know, you're just a little off of your normal type of thing. You know, it's almost like you're like when you're too exhausted or too tired, when you get that little like loopy, like you're awake, but you're not fully functioning. It's sort of like that for me anyways. Gotcha. But we sort of got right into sort of extreme pieces of the adventures here. It's not, <laughs> it's not always these like hiking big mountains and things like that. It's right. funny. We just started, like just leaped right into it. Like well, here's the most extreme thing we're doing. Dude, but it's interesting. Cause now you really have me thinking I've never trained. I live in Delaware, which is pretty flat. Um, right. <laughs> I think when I go for a jog, I start at 30 feet above sea level and on my loop, I end, I get to 56 feet. So Mm -hmm. typically on a typical jog over four miles, I will elevate and decline 26 feet, which is nowhere near 15,000. Now I'm wondering, like, is it really the physical strength of just having this book bag or is it more just the physiological toll that your body goes through that, that mess that keeps you from it? Yeah. And those are, I am no pro at this. So for me it, with Ahab, it's just, it's like half stubbornness, half one of those things where you already see yourself accomplishing the goal. You know, that what's a good way to describe it? Um, like in, uh, which Harry Potter is it when he sees himself cast the Patronus, but he doesn't know it's him type of thing. If I nod my head and say, "Uh uh-huh, will you believe that I have read those books and know what you're talking about? 
Sure. Well, some people know what I'm talking about and, and others, they're just like, that was the worst example you could have gave. <laughs> I think it's the best example. I agree 100%. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but no, keep going with it, man. I've, I've just never read Harry Potter. It's, um, it, that, that mystery, or not, not mystery, that fantasy genre, man. Honestly, it's too hard for me to keep the characters straight when I read it. Because the names are just so out there that I, I can't I can't deal with the towns. I can't I can't deal yeah. with the lands. I can't deal with the people. I tried it with the <laughs> Hobbit, you know, and you're just right. Like, no, I was just going to reference that Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I remember right? reading that sort of as a kid and yeah. just being like, I'm going to remember that name as something completely different. And when I watched the movies when they came out much later. I was like, oh, that's how you say all these names. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, thank God, Bilbo. Or was yeah. it was it Bilbo Baggins? Is that the yeah. Hobbit? Yeah, right. Like, dude, that was the only one. After that, I was like, page three. I'm like, I'm done. I'm lost. I'm an educated individual. I've read four. I've read the third page four times in a row. I can't. Yeah. I can't. You know. So, not to uh, besmirch it, because I've heard it's a great, you know, book. It people yeah. love it. Um, why are we? Why am I now getting into Harry Potter with you? Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, but yeah, you, I sidetracked it with my reference. My uh, my analogies will sidetrack yeah, us all but, night. I'm sure. How does that? What does that have to do with the stubbornness? I'm curious. It's just like so you visualize the way it and I like, get through a lot of these treks or adventures and all the goals we have. It's just one knowing there's people actually watching us and being motivated, and the other half are probably laughing at us and you know watching us painfully trek these places but for other people i don't like everybody has something that keeps them moving forward right for us it's just i was passed on this sort of family life hobby that's turned into this legacy basically that i want to keep going and i picture what the story's going to look like when i'm 70 or 80 and i want to make sure it gets to that goal that i have for a story I have two things. Number one, I'm always so interested in what I call like self-talk. And I don't know if that's like a clinical term, but people have spoken to me about that, about like how you motivate yourself. And I've come to realize like I'm extremely negative to myself. Like if I need a little more, I'm like, dude, quit being a bitch. Fucking man <laughs> up. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. and you really wonder with the the power of positive, you're like, why do you get so negative to ramp yourself up? And it's interesting that it seemed like for you a little bit of that motivation is more like the is pressure the wrong word? The 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 not pressure to perform, but you see this accomplishment and it's just like a stubbornness of nope, I, I, I can do it. I'm just gonna push through. I got it. Yeah, and when it comes to these more extreme adventures we have, there's definitely training and things. It's not like we're just like, ah, three days before, let's uh, <laughs> eat a good meal and hope that for the best. It's, you know, there is some R&D that goes into it and training, but a lot of it is just knowing that just trying to be, like, if we say we're going to do something, you sort of want to lead by example. Right. Even for a, you know, this is a pretty silly quest we're on, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's made me a, a ton of friends that I never ever would have met otherwise. And, you know, it's just like we're talking right now because I met somebody four years ago and I was right. there because I met somebody three years before that. And it's just the, the breadcrumbs that tell these stories are my favorite part, sort of connecting all the dots backwards. Yeah, man. Could you imagine without internet people like sending Polaroids through the mail 
right. <laughs> about you and yeah. like the weird phone call webs, the pen pals that yeah. would be happening, the fan mail. Oh man, dude. And I was wondering that I'm glad you brought it back up. Um, are you bringing Ahab with you? Like what is the, Hey, you got to have G John because he does blank at a college announcement. Like, what was the sales pitch? Again, I, I always get awkward about my words, man. I really don't mean to offend and like... So, no, not at all. It. So, for me, like, it it always was... I guess we should probably... Why don't we start with a little uh, background here? Thank we're, you. We're Thank talking you. about all this and everybody's like, you know, they can't see. I have Ahab sitting next to me, even though we're not I can on hear camera. Him. I can hear yeah. him rocking. Yeah. <laughs> That's always been one of our jokes. It's like, I don't, I don't mind, you know, people talk to him and... Like I'll say something once in a while as a joke, but I always say, once I start hearing him talk back, we're going to retire that day. <laughs> when you get stranded somewhere, dude, and it turns into like Tom Hanks with Wilson. Right. And, exactly. You know, and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. He got over Wilson pretty quick, by the way. I don't think. Do you think, I didn't think it was quick. I, that, that's a, that's a very debatable hot Maybe. button topic. Like, yeah, I guess it... it's be just because he floated away. So it was just like, did he cut ties very quickly type of thing? But, or, or was he letting what he loved go? Because if oh. you truly love something, you need to let it go. Maybe Wilson didn't want to go on that journey. Maybe Wilson was happy and content yeah. and he secretly knew it. And he you're, was freeing Wilson for his you're next adventure. Opening my eyes to a whole new version of that movie. I mean, now. it's something I'll, to I'll continue. have to rewatch it. it. It's something, I, it, there's nothing to substantiate it, but it really is something that I've thought about where Wilson was born of adventure right? He was birthed out of chaos. Yeah. He basically went skydiving to a remote secluded island and, and survived. lived there for years. I mean, and had several enhancing surgeries that yeah. made him beautiful. And what is Hanks trying to do? He's trying to bring him to a, a sedentary life where at best he gets put in a clear cube. Yeah, or is used as an actual volleyball. <laughs> Refurbished. <Yeah. laughs> At a middle school. And Wilson's like, man, they don't even know how to spike. Is this really uh, why I made this trek? So you wonder, like, did he, did Hanks, because Hanks, again, if you talk about training, dude, like that, I'm pretty sure that guy could have got him, right? Like, I mean, I just right. feel like Hanks had it in him to dolphin up and do some sort of swimming technique to grab Wilson had he wanted to. I really think either mentally he couldn't deal with Wilson. Like Hanks need to cut all ties to the island, like burn your ships. We're not going right. back. Or he was, he loved Wilson and he knew Wilson needed that next adventure. Yeah. And who knows that lady that designed the wings there that kept him going probably wouldn't have wanted Wilson around anyways. Oh, now that dude, I think about right? it. So. That's a good point, right? Like the slogan jealousy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude, I hated the wing thing. I hated that. That was not resolved. That's so, well, you know, luckily in our culture, we're going to run out of even more movies to make sequels to. So I'm sure there'll be a castaway too, sooner than later. The wings, the wings somehow lead to someone getting stranded. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's another great sidetrack. So glad we got into castaway. But dude, you had mentioned passed on this family life hobby. I'm assuming that somehow goes to the background of how you yeah, wind so up with this. I'll try to. I'll say it's an elevator pitch, but it'll probably be a few minutes. Good. But, I like it. I so like my grandfather was drafted to serve for World War II. And 
he always wanted to be a pirate. So he thought it would be cool to join the Navy since, you know, 300 years too late, but modern day <laughs> piracy for him was being on a ship in the middle of the ocean. So in the service, he joined the Navy and July 18th, 1943, he was sitting in a pub with his new um, comrades and they were sort of drinking the night away because they were all starting to realize this could very well be the last night they're in the States altogether. And as the sort of tension, you know, that you could cut with a, with a knife in the room, everybody's quiet and everything as the night went on and they weren't so much celebrating. Some of the officers told um, the guys about pranks that are pulled, you know, usually before they leave port. And this prank in particular was about commandeering something from that port town and making it a stowaway on the ship. And the whole idea was, you know, 12, 18, however many months later, when you come back, you would write a scrapbook. You know, if somebody had a camera by chance, which was very rare back then, it would take a few pictures, write a few notes and everything. And when you get back to port, you would take, for instance, this lawn gnome, knock on the door, hide in the bushes and put the gnome in the book, you know, somewhere where they would see. And the ones very sad parents would be very happy. And then it was sort of like you were saying about Wilson. It's like, oh, mom and dad, I was sort of sick of just being a lawn gnome. I wanted to get out there and see the world. And you guys just look at me in a certain way. But this prank sort of repurposed and gave a second life to things. This is me reflecting on it right. years, dude, decades later. Dude, 1943. But, did did I yeah. get that right? That's yeah. awesome that they were that stupid funny. Like that they just got giggles and chuckles out of right. something that good, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it sort of made the, you know, the members of all the crews and everything, it distracted them. Right. Like they knew they were going to war, but this is like, hey, have some harmless fun, right. you know, and just get through it. So, yeah, Ahab woke up in a duffel bag on the LST 84 and did his tour. And they all got back to port safe and sound, luckily. And they were celebrating on the on the dock about, all right, now we'll wait till tonight, you know, probably go to that same pub and everything and sort of drop them off. And as they were talking about it, they realized that they got so inebriated that night before they left and they'd never been to that town before. And it was a year and a half later and they searched the town for three days, couldn't find the house. <laughs> <laughs> so they decided instead of just being like, okay, we'll leave them somewhere. You know, they're like, you know what? We'll bring them home. And every year on July 18th of that week, they would get back together. And as they got older, they got married, had kids, those kids had kids. And they ended up buying a piece of property in uh, the Catskills of New York. And every year in that in the summer, they get back together. And these four, four families basically grew up together. And we became this one humongous family. And it was just a crazy hoot nanny every year. No, all be like literally all because they stole the Ahab that I'm seeing on Instagram. Yes. From 1949. 43. Oh my, 43. <laughs> so yeah, and then, so for the first 10 years of my life at this, this hoot nanny, I thought this whole thing was about me because it just so happens my birthday is July 18th. Oh, so every year we'd have a birthday party, but the real party was in the barn, sort of off on the side of the property that was their man cave. <laughs> and by my 10th birthday, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm brave enough. I'm going to get up because I sort of heard them causing a ruckus out there in the barn and none of the none of their kids had ever they sort of just didn't even like debate it with them they're like nope nobody comes out here but us 
<laughs> and the grandkids, you know, we were told there's like pitfalls and bear traps and all kind of like none of us, we were all scared. We were all around 10 years old, you know, give or take. And, but anyways, I got up in the middle of the night that night and, and, uh, trekked out to the barn and one thing led to another, but for the next nine years, I got to sit in on this card game that they were having out there. Oh. And it was really cool. Like I was the little kid and back then they were just, I was thought it was amazing just when they're like, Oh yeah, go grab a beer out of the cooler. I was about to say you're the thing. gopher, man. Like right. they, they just, they didn't realize they needed that to yeah. just make it complete. <laughs> right. But then I got to sit there and watch them all basically give each other a hard time with their big fish stories and war stories, adventure stories and all this. But I learned that they played cards all night and whoever won the, the game didn't win the money they threw in. But that person got to pick where they brought Ahab. And for the next week or so, they would go on another adventure to just sort of reseal the camaraderie that they had that revolved around the statue that they all basically met in the service so they did this for 59 years holy shit until my 19th birthday and that night ended sort of like any other and i sort of you know went to bed they all stayed up way later i don't i don't know how they did it but the next morning usually i would go i had a key to get into the back door of the barn and i would clean up after them and everything because that was sort of my like reminiscing period where they would all leave and i would still be there and nobody else in the family really knew what like they knew they had Ahab, but they didn't, they didn't quite understand why they were carrying this statue around You know, they never quite got it. But when I went back out there that next morning, they were all still around the card table. And before I could really figure it out, my grandfather handed me an envelope and told me since Ahab and I share such a special date together, it's only fitting we share in all the adventures that follow it. So they gave me the winnings from that year's card game, told me to wake up my friends that I had at, you know, at the, at the the farmhouse and get in the car and start driving and that's when myself and my core group of friends started our our uh, caretaking responsibilities for ahab I and that can't, was I can't just do about math. 19 years ago i was about to say i can't do the math so you're 2001 wow ish yeah 2002 man yeah can you what are some of the I, I want to say dopest or craziest, but I don't know if that's besmudging your grandfather. If that's too no. like, like, like uh, what I, I feel like I need to have reverence in this moment for something that has that deep of interest. Actually, you know what? I got to pause. Did they go like quarteries, halvesies on a home in the Catskills? Like the, the four yeah, guys so... actually co-own this thing just to bring their families and have an excuse for like a vacation. Yeah. So it was that like, I, I think about it now to think about having that summer camp or right. second home. It's like, it's almost impossible. Right. Yeah. But a hundred years ago or whenever it was, everybody was just like, Oh yeah. Property costs four cents up there. I'm just going to buy 10 acres. You know? Right. I feel, I feel like we're growing up in the wrong time type of thing. Like it's too expensive to go to space, but we've explored everywhere here. So, and everything's bought and sort of accounted for already. Yeah. So we're, Never mind everything else going on, but right now, dude. But yeah, so they that, bought it as sort of like that. Yeah, let's all go in on it and we'll hang out there. And I'm sure the first couple of years it wasn't a family friendly uh, establishment, <laughs> but you know, as they settled down and started having families and all that stuff, it just became, you know, it was the the four families there, but it was there was so many other of their, you know, uh, 
old Navy buddies that would show up with their families. And some of them were more closer to the core of it, but it was really like the four of them that were the ringleaders. And what are some of those through, cause dude, I'm like, I'm trying to picture 1943 from my history books or whatever, like movie references. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine schlepping around this 40 pound thing and the adventures that these these military servicemen getting on land and in my head i'm like dude they have how many car wrecks has ahab been in where they're like just pissed drunk on some out backwoods country road you know like slamming whiskey or something like that right and those are the things with with them when i started my leg of this this uh journey i said Everybody that I shared, you know, whether it's a shorter version of that story or a longer version, even I I just remember each time I tell it, I leave out pieces, not on purpose or add pieces, but, um, everybody that hears it, I try to take a picture of them in Ahab and that's the trade-off. And then we started making a collage on our wall, which turned into our whole living room after four years of college. And then after that, now there's 9,000 pictures of them in over 200 different places all over the the world has been to seven different countries, I believe now all over the States. We try to do some kind of big road trip every year, like they used to do, but their adventures weren't like, Oh, we're going to go, you know, halfway around the world. They were just like, ah, let's go rent a cabin even further up in upstate New York and go hunting or, you know, they still brought them, but the focus wasn't, Oh, that's going to look good on Instagram tomorrow. Right. Right? They were just hanging out and these were very quiet guys during the year. My grandfather said, the, the most I've ever heard him say or ever heard him, you know, he's, he's been gone for a while now, but it's only when he used to like put his fist out the window while he was driving and be screaming at another driver. The rest of the time, he was just <laughs> the quietest part. I heard him say six words all year type of thing, you know, and maybe that was just around me, but, but yeah, but when him and his buddies got together with Ahab, they were all like little kids again. They just reverted back to that 19 year old self. Right. And you could tell, like, looking, I keep trying to, like, add more details to it, but I really feel like this was, you know, before there was really a word for PTSD and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it was called shell shock and everything else. But I think this was their, like, their reset. Like, this really just, like, brought them back down to, like, a a level, you know, and, and recharged them. And then the rest of the year, they would go back out and be like, all right, you know, I still have my, my core and, they all got together for a silly reason. Right. But it was just that excuse they made and it worked like, cause think about how many, how many people do you still talk to from high school or college or like a job that you had for a while type of thing? Like soon as you sort of leave that pattern, it's people over, start man. disappearing. Yeah. Even, even your bestest with, friends. Yeah. Even with social media now, then we have that right. advantage. Like I couldn't imagine them trying to make a long distance phone call and how much that would have cost back then. You know, right. like it just, it, it 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 was so much more inconvenient back then to maintain the relationships than it is now. And today it's so easy to lose them. Yeah. So, and they were friends for the better part of six decades, like clockwork every year they would be at this thing and they would still visit throughout the year, Right. but it's, they never missed a single year at that party like that that week long thing. And the family stayed after when they disappeared for a little while with Ahab and all that stuff. And we all hung out and everything, but that sort of hoot nanny on, on the 18th was really their like 
were doing this every year. It was almost like the disclaimer, I'm sure, for the you know their wives, their kids, everybody. Yeah, right. Like, nope. This time of year, you're not going to find me. This is what we do, and I don't. I thought it was. I try to re, not reenact it, but that card game. I haven't quite. We haven't found a spot. We don't own that property anymore. Mm. Um, it was one of those. It was a silly thing. I should have kept it when I had the chance, but when they they all passed away pretty close to each other in time wise and the families just started squabbling about you know monetary yeah. pieces of it instead right. of like what that property meant and i was too young to sort of fight them all back so yeah that's and i don't want to go down a negative road on such a beautiful story but it it's funny cuz that is initially where my mind went when you were talking about them purchasing the home together with the purest of intentions, even though right. it's sinfully pure, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like that, like you just think of the legality now in yeah. something like that, and all the 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 hurdles and obstacles that you'd have to overcome, and it's like they wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't want to do it. But back right. then, to hold on to that for so long, it's it, it's innocence, man. It's pure. It's Peter Panish. Right. Yeah. Like you're going back to Neverland. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's sort of like the background piece of it. And then when I acquired them, when I was 19, I was at the university of new England studying uh, marine biology because I was brainwashed to be a pirate when I grew up. So <laughs> that was the same thing. 350 years too late, but I could be a marine biologist and I dabbled in whitewater raft guiding. So during the school year, I was studying to be on a boat and, during the summers, I was guiding a boat, dressing like a pirate. So I just, it's, it's been a fun ride so far, having the mentality of a wannabe pirate, just like Captain Ahab. <laughs> Wait, what, was Captain Ahab a pirate? It's a Moby so, Dick reference, right? Am I right, wrong so about that? Yeah. They, they renamed him after Moby Dick was, uh, Herman Melville lived in the Berkshires, um, and named it after, you know, Berkshire references here. So they renamed him Captain Ahab because of where we lived. Um, but he's, he's got a bright yellow, you know, sailor fisherman coat, but he aspires like it's, that's his uh, dream to be a pirate captain along with the hundreds of other things on his bucket list. Yeah. But yeah that's his one true goal. So <laughs> It's just like he looks like um is it the Nor Gordon's fisherman guy? Yeah, I get that a lot. Right? Yeah. Like I mean like for people listening if they haven't checked the Instagram yet, like that's to me what it uh, just popped. And then to hear like the pirate aspirations just makes it all the more hilarious. Like I love mm -hmm. it, right? Like you're just hoping you're wondering what's inside the raincoat. Right. Like, right. like when he, when he rips it off, what, yeah. what is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And getting, I think the, there was a question about like some of the, Oh, for know, the college top adventures type of thing. Yeah, well, I think is I'm, where I'm curious about what was the first adventure when you got him at 19, are you feeling all sorts of pressure to like have an ultimate thing? Is it clunky for you? What's it like on that first adventure with him? Yeah. So like, you know, that was the first time, like I, I picked him up before and things, but it was almost like a, he weighed a different amount the first time he, when he was actually like 
when I got my inheritance of a wooden statue, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, and we put him in the car. One of our, um, you know, one of the uncles that wasn't there essentially, uh, lived in Florida and we took that first road trip down to there and just stayed in Florida and goofed off type of thing. It wasn't anything, you know, worth really taking pictures of. There's a few pictures somewhere, but it was just like, we got a car I mean, there was thousands of dollars in that envelope. They don't, they didn't mess around with that card game. Really? <laughs> so it just, so we had a little bit of money to go back to school with, and we planned little trips as we met people at school. And he, it, it was crazy when I went to college with him. I didn't really realize what they actually like. It was just a diamond in the rough type of thing. I made way more friends than I should have. And I still do because he's such an amazing conversational piece. And people ask me instead of, it's never a pitch. Everybody's always like, okay, I'm curious enough. It, it makes you sort of curiosity gets the better of you and you let your guard down and you actually have an amazing conversation with, with a stranger, which you don't do on the street anymore. Everybody sort of just puts their head down. So weird, man. Things, but like even whatever pre COVID, and that's something when I um, go to cities, we don't have many. Where I live, there are not a ton of elevators. So mm-hmm. um, we still, like, I'm still like, if I see you and I'm driving down a country road and you're in your yard, I'm going to wave at you, even if I don't know you at all you know like no that's where i'm from too yeah so just like that you you walk by the street you're kind of like hey hey but you can't do that in a city but when i go and you get in these crowded places i'm amazed at the lack of small talk ability or even like the interest in just shooting the shit and like doing the stereotypical like man can you believe the humidity today Right. Just yeah. seeing where it goes, you know, and like it, it really is pretty lost. People look at that, those breaks as like a chance to get on a phone for the most part. And I feel like you do miss out on just an, an adventure, a person, personal adventure of discovering someone who might enhance your life, might give you some perspective. It's actually part of why I got into this podcast. Maybe that, oh my God, will this podcast be my Captain A? Will this be my Ishmael? <laughs> It could very well be, but this podcast is like getting to know you, right? It's, it's literally, we're two strangers and I know you didn't see Captain Ahab in the sense to start the conversation, but it's, this is literally what happens. They, you know, I start talking to somebody and they ask about what we've done and I ask what they, you know, are aspiring to do, like what's on their bucket list. And if it's something we've done, I always give them the reference to how we did it or here's you know, an easier way to do it because of the network we have. Or if they're like, Oh, I've always wanted to do that, but you know, can't think of an excuse to, we try to have them like we all do it together type of thing. Oh man, dude, that's crazy. So just out of the blue, you're like, yeah, man, you know what? I'm, I'm down with skydiving. Let's go ahead and make that happen. Yeah. So well, that's where Everest came from with Dylan. No way. Um, my buddy, uh, Justin, he met us at the Red Bull flu tug in uh, 2010 and he, we've been on an adventure every year since then where he's one of my closest friends. I just went to a, he just got married this winter and I brought Ahab and everybody from his family was like, I never met him before, but they all like, it was just this, they almost thought it was imaginary type of thing. Cause he would just disappear parts of the year, go on these, you know, he, we went to Costa Rica with him. Um, we've been whitewater rafting and he's been on all these adventures. He's got a bucket list himself, but then, you know, his whole family and friends met us at the, 
the wedding and it was just crazy to hear all like their side of what they've heard about it and the way he tells it and shows them the pictures and things but I have so many friends now that it most of my friends it our first meeting they talk about it's because of Ahab type of thing I don't even know if I know how to meet people outside of the way we <laughs> do things with Captain Ahab anymore to be honest <laughs> that's kind of um so and i haven't posted this pod yet but it was really interesting i don't know where you stand on um drag queens but i had a drag queen on candy and for the first hour and 20 minutes candy was on and then the next two hours i got to know dan the guy who is candy and the super interesting part to me was he got into he was a musician dan was a musician he put out two albums but Candy is the one blowing up and he kind of has to wrestle with that a little bit as far as like his ego and like, why was Dan not good enough? But Candy is part of Dan because I'm creating Candy. So I should enjoy it. But at the same time, I do different things as Candy. I look at the world as a different way in different ways than I do as Dan. And all that to say, when you were mentioning about like meeting people because of Ahab, I, I again, don't want to say resentment, but is it like, do you look at them a little weird? Like, man, like it's us, right? Like, like, um, a sidekick that you has to be around or you've just embraced it and be like, fuck it, man. It is what it is. I no, So, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's when we speak at like universities and high schools and or businesses and things, and we were showing these pictures behind us of all the places. And I'm sort of the, the, it's at my expense, all the jokes, basically. Like, it's almost like Ahab with the pictures. It's making everybody laugh. But it's like if you were up in front of your classroom and somebody like was giving you bunny ears type of thing and you didn't know it. It's just that, like, silliness of right. it where you don't know. It's like I'm I'm talking about traveling with the statue and your first, like, you should have caution and be like, this guy's crazy. He's carrying around a 40-pound block of wood acting normal. But every, instead, everybody's just like embracing it and laughing about it. And so it's sort of like when you know that the the joke is being made about you, but you just sort of embrace the the goofiness of the whole thing. Because right. I have I have that whole backstory with my family that like, and it's much easier to share that stuff now, but usually it was just all like the funny parts and things like that. I never usually shared the, the personal side of it, but now full circle with all the pieces it's sort of it's definitely worth everybody sort of like needing captain ahab in that sense when we meet people and that kind of thing it's almost like i'm the third wheel in the in the party dude it, remi- it almost point. it almost takes me to like the wonder years kevin arnold type thing where you're just you're as you grow older and develop you you fight for that innocence that gets lost and mm. it it's you're, I, I think you're right, man. Like I'm, I'm already hooked, right? Like I'm already like a believer. I don't, I don't have any tattoos, but if I were to get one, I think Ahab might be some inspirational thing. I'd like put on my wrist somewhere, Interesting. you know, just to like remind you about this bucket. And again, we, we have not spoken before and like the whole bucket list conversation, the camaraderie, the seeking adventure the fighting sedentariness you know like there's more to life build the relationships all these different themes and vibes i'm getting what are we 44 minutes in i'm like are we really yeah dude that is i'm too i'm telling you these things everyone says they're like oh my god 
I, I, I didn't, re- and again, not to get all sidetracked, but yeah. se- several times people are like, so I only scheduled two hours because I didn't think you were serious about actually like it's that easy to talk. And I'm like, nah, nah, man, it's, it's pretty fucking easy to fill in a couple hours if you just settle in and actually listen, you know, like I haven't checked my phone, right? I'm not like, I don't have a third window open and I'm like hitting up Facebook, seeing what's going on Instagram. Like, like, I'm in, I take some notes to remind myself when I edit, but like, it's to me, that's another thing the podcast has done that I think people miss out on, which is like a long form conversation where you used to call people and sit around and just fucking talk on the phone with people you hadn't seen and catch up. Like there's a beauty to it, man. So the Ahab thing might be, but see, I'm almost 40. I can't get a tattoo at 40, right? I can't be that guy. What if I covered it with a, so if I get it the same size as like the watch that I normally wear so I can cover it up and not be like, no, I've always had this. You just never noticed because I wore a watch. Like I could be that guy, right? Well, I'll send you. We got some temporary tattoos we just uh, no. got, got last month as part of a – we've been doing a dabbling with the Patreon thing. Uh, and that was one of our monthly things. So I'll send you some. You can uh, you can pick some places and see what works for you. Dude, that'd be dope as hell. Because I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking right on the wrist where um, normally like I, – so I wear my watch. Um, I don't know if it's upside down, but it's the inside where I can see the yeah, time. I'm left-handed, so I do the same thing when I wear a watch. It's just – Okay. I'm right-handed, but I don't, I, my dad wore it that way. And it's one of like those weird memories. And now I've noticed like hardly anyone does it. And it's one of those right. things where I feel cool because I do it that right, way. Right. As stupid as that seems. But like that would be exactly where I would put it. Because again, yeah. like why do you check time, right? Like time is valuable. And yeah. the bucket list, the priorities, the hanging, the getting to know people, the adventures. Like when you look at your wrist thinking of the time, it would be cool. Oh my God. And then Ahab's hands. I got to put it at a certain time, right? Like it's almost like the Mickey Mouse watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you, you say that kind of stuff. One, because my uh, Jolly Roger, our Jolly Roger, the family crest is on my left wrist, like right where you're talking about. Oh, no way. And every year that we, I've been the caretaker, I've added a dotted line and it's all the way up to my elbow basically at this point with a few loops in it. Oh, wow. But that's how we do it. But Why a, a couple dot- things can- before we get sidetracked, because I just wrote something down that I was thinking. Um, <laughs> Thank God. But yeah, all these things we're doing about like, you know, practicing having something to be an icebreaker or, you know, just taking that leap to turn a stranger into a friend or asking for help or even making the bucket list. Like they're, I'm not a hypocrite to it, but the only reason I do it so much is because I'm carrying Ahab around and I don't get to pick when I have to have a conversation. When somebody comes up to us and starts asking why we're taking pictures of them or what do we do? We just saw you two miles back on the trail and that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, whenever somebody asks, we have to answer. And that was a rule we made a long time ago. Um, so it's it's one of those things I think without Ahab, I there's rarely a time when he's not I don't carry him every every step of the way with my day to day, but he's in the back of my truck. He goes everywhere in that sense. But when I don't have him with me for one reason or another. It, it, it's weird. I almost feel invisible because so many. Yeah. Right. Like so, you're not... there's so much less activity in terms of those conversations besides like the, Oh yeah, it's, it's a hot one out there today type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you would almost not, not that you wouldn't not know that was way too many negatives, but like, um, it would be weird to be like, Jesus, what is my conversation starter? 
Ahab's right. my go-to, right? Right. Dude, I, I'm so interested now because when you said he's in the back of the truck, I'm wondering like lifestyle, non-adventure, just lifestyle choices that Ahab has influenced. Like, could you own a, a two-door coupe? <laughs> so that's the thing. We've When we started, we had a big conversion van at college. And so it was just like this this whole entity. There was a huge van. It was Ahab. We had a pet pig our senior year. <laughs> so my roommate and I, we were just these these two guys with a lot of weird stuff going on. But it was just, it was more, we were both very confident people and comfortable. So it just, I don't, it, everybody just accepted it. Right. And by the end of our college career, we had taken a picture with almost every single person on that campus. I'm pretty sure everybody knew who Ahab was. And the wall, his mural was just, you know, floor to ceiling, wall to wall. It just was covered. It's, it's crazy. I think I was actually, I was planning on posting it today, but I was, I had a little montage of like, you know, with the first 10 pictures on the wall, then it was half a wall. And then it was, you could, I wanted to post just how we, we can't even put the pictures up anymore because there's just too many. It would literally take up every wall of my house. Right. God. But one of these days I'll put them all back up somewhere. Maybe I'll get a museum exhibit or something and it'll be a fun little, we'll make a big map out of all the pictures or something. Yeah. yeah, Right. Like that would be, I've thought about that for different travels too. But the the Mm -hmm. idea of, Ahab and these people and trying to have this um, community around it, man, is, uh, God, what a fucking interesting concept. We never got, we never got to it. How, how does this turn into you're a speaker at a college? Are we there in the story yet? Or am I jumping over something? So, no, no, it's, it's, it can be told all over the place. I mean, obviously <laughs> if everybody's like quiet sitting and listening, I have the ideal way I love to really get everybody into my big fish story. But, uh, <laughs> And it really is a big fish story. I feel like every time I tell it, my my partner Jenna, she uh, she jokes about it all the time. He's, she's like, every time we, you know, people are talking to us, she goes, "How much does he weigh? Fifty seven pounds now?" Type of joke, <laughs> you know. Because and I always say forty three, but she just gives me a hard time. Like I make him into this two hundred pound, you know, thing that we're doing. But uh, no, our our first talk, it was I met a family at. Yellowstone, I believe, National Park. And the the father happened to be a dean of student, students at a college. Shit. And we were just chatting. He saw how his girls were with the story and his and his wife and the other people that were around us. It was sort of a bigger crowd while we were waiting for uh, Old Faithful. And he was just like, do you tell that story, uh, you know, like a college, you do orientations or anything like that. And me just excited that he said that I said of course you know we can we can make that happen and then all of a sudden he he called me the next week and we started setting it up for the fall and then after that everywhere we went we started saying that yeah we we tell the story to people like at universities and such and it's one of those things when you when you have a goal in mind or you start having that mindset your eyes and ears and you know just everything it when you're looking for that kind of stuff or listening for it you end up hearing or seeing it yeah, man. Right. Like you notice one Volkswagen punch buggy. Right. And then you it's, see yeah. they're everywhere. Right. Right. As soon as somebody starts that game, it's, it's last three hours type of thing in a car. Right. Yeah. But it's, but they're all over the place, but until you're actually, you have sort of those goals in mind, you're not like one of my favorite, uh, I always ask people what's on their bucket list and 
this lady once told me she will always wanted to ride in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. <laughs> and so I put it every time we hear something. Oh, wait, that it we ended there. Done. I thought she was hoping to do several things in the Oscar Mayer Wienerville while riding in it. <laughs> so we didn't really get into that, but it was, so I said, yeah, so what do you, you know, do you know, like the route it's taking this summer? Or I don't even know how it works anymore, but, and she was like, no. And I was like, so you just expect it to pull up in your driveway and beep the horn and right. you're going to get a ride. And it's basically, I think she didn't realize that you sort of, just cause you say it out loud, doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to actively pursue it. Yeah. And I've always wanted to get a hold of Oscar Meyer and have it pull up in her driveway, even though it's completely cheating and I don't want to yeah, but you man, know, I, cripple her. But at the same time, I'm not. just after that conversation, she probably doesn't even remember the conversation, but I just always wanted to do that for her. And I really have to stop telling people that story because she's going to, one of these days, she'll probably look us up and hear it and <laughs> be waiting for it. She's sitting on her porch. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that part of the, and I feel like I've, said several things that appeal to me, but I'm kind of interested in what this Dean of Students, what he felt the appeal was to college kids. Is it that message that you just kind of got to where it's like, dude, things don't just happen. You need to act to make them happen. That's a piece of it. And because everybody's like, oh, well, it's easy. Your grandfather and his war buddies who, you know, were essentially my uncles my whole life. um, They like handed you this legacy but if you saw what they were doing with him compared to, you know, 2019, 2020 Captain Ahab, he's a whole different statue <laughs> type of thing, right? Like he went from a lawn gnome to a World War II vet to a Hootenanny mascot to a college mascot to motivational icon, right? Type of thing. And it's still going on. So it's, but no, not to sidetrack, but, uh, no, at the colleges, I think he just, he heard in the stories uh, just about the connections of, you know, talking about the strangers that you can turn into your friends. Because a lot of times you're, you know, when you start high school, you start college, you start anything, your your best friend's usually sitting in that orientation room with you and you have no idea. Um, and looking back, you were like, yeah, remember that awkward, like we were making fun of that presenter with the statue and you know, and all of a sudden their friendship started or however it starts, but, and things like making excuses to do things like everybody can say, Oh, I don't have that vacation time or I don't have the money put aside or my partner will get really mad if I go with you, you ladies or you guys or wherever, you know, your friends are going. Right. But instead like Captain Ahab is a real silly excuse that they use to get out every year. And honestly, like, what would have happened to Captain Ahab if they didn't commandeer him anyways? He would have dry rotted and yeah, just right. been gone, right? So what a waste. Captain Ahab was an excuse for them and he you know, they were an excuse for him type of thing. But uh and just about like pursuing your passions. Like I briefly mentioned before the piracy thing, like my grandfather knew he wasn't gonna be a pirate. He didn't go home and just put his head down about it. He's like, Okay, what are my options basically? And when the, the war came out, he's just, you know, he, he had some fun with it. Basically. He's like, if I'm going to serve, I'm going to pretend to be a pirate essentially in the same way I've gone through life. Just, I try to be a modern day pirate in a way, even though that's sort of now turned into public speaking and things. It's, it's still, we like, nobody is like, I don't, I don't get it. Everybody's like, Nope, I can see the, you know, there's pirate blood in our veins type of thing. 
I was actually thinking that uh, as far as the public speaking, did it come naturally to you? Because when you get handed Ahab, you're just used to talking to people. You're used to telling like, Jesus, dude, I can't imagine how many times you've spoken about this. Right. Or, but then do you get in front of whatever? I don't even actually, how many people like hundred, 200 thousands stadiums. (laughs) So the most we did a TEDx talk in Akron, Ohio. And I think there was 1100 people was, were, was in the, the Goodyear auditorium that we were in at one point. I don't know how many were actually there like off and on, but I think that's how many tickets they sold. But with the high schools and universities and such, it's anywhere from 30 kids in a small room. And it's just like a little club thing to 300 kids. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the the size of the group. It's, you know, it's the weight of the story. It's different every time I haven't spoken. I've spoken in a few places like high schools we've been speaking long enough where it's been, you know, three, four years. So we go back, but even then it's, it's a whole different place with a whole different set of uh, students and things. So then it's not like this um, pre-canned marketed speech off the teleprompter that you're giving. Not at all. So we, we use a lot of visuals because, you know, I like right now on the podcast, we're talking about Ahab and if, if nobody sort of paused it and looked at a picture or something, they, you know, you don't really get it or, we talk about jumping out of a plane with them, but until you watch that video, you're not, you know, there's a different level of appreciation in that craziness when you see the visuals. So, so I'm we gonna... use a lot of visuals, sort of like I was saying, it was like when I started to talk and, and saying all these things we do, and all of a sudden you see us getting hit in the face with a huge wave on a whitewater raft. Like it just, it makes you laugh type of things. So it's, so yeah, there's a lot of sort of visual cues to it, but there's no teleprompter or everything. Every talk is, I have my, you know, points I really want to hit and make sure everybody gets the like big picture of this, mm-hmm. but I get one little laugh somewhere and I'll go on a tangent way off course because I'm like, Oh, somebody thought that was funny. Let's keep going with that type of thing. Gotcha. So it's never really that scripted. Do you give a lot of thought to where the audience is in their lives? Like to me, I'm thinking college kids need to hear, you would want to impart, God, see, this is where I do it again. I always feel like I I have a thought and then I have to like back up four times to give it some sort of context. (laughs) I don't know if that's right or not, but I look back at me and I'm like, high school Sean needs to hear different things than college Sean. Right, right. And I wonder, and that to me is like the beauty of this that I'm falling in love with and sketching my tattoo as you're talking is like, do you adjust the, the speech, the images for the audience and even the region actually? Yeah, always it. So that's the funny thing. I think you understand this being in the, you know, and the education in a school system, but you're with the kids, highly qualified educational professional. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And you know, the teachers, they have a, you know, a relationship with the students. But when I come in, I'm like the crazy uncle coming by. Right. So no matter the teachers are like, Oh, you should talk about this. And we really are are looking to go down this route. But after they hear the story and all the stuff I've done and the friends that I've used Ahab to trick into coming with us and all those things at the end, we make a bucket list about, okay, what do you want to do before high school's over? What do you want to do after like in your life, just bucket list items. And it's not, some kids don't quite 
get the story and they say, Oh, I want to have three kids, a dog, buy an expensive car, expensive house. And it's like, okay, you're not, you're not there yet. You didn't hear what we were saying type of thing, but that's just our culture. And, and, you know, that wherever they heard that is just yelling louder at them right now. (laughs) But, but some of the stuff they write down on the, on the list, it just, I, they really, it's stuff they wouldn't share with like their parents or adults basically. But for a second, I trick them with a really funny, you know, experience that I've had where they have for the last almost 20 years and they write these things. And then I get to go back and compile all the bucket lists and go to the principal or the teachers or whoever it is and say, you have 200 kids that want to do this activity. That's only 20 miles away. Mm. And we've already done something there. If you want us to call them and say, so-and-so high school wants to bring, you know, all these kids to do your activity. We try to network and give them a deal and just make an adventure for them. Cause these are things the kids wouldn't normally tell their professors or teachers or parents type of thing. They sort of open up a little bit. No, I'm, and I can definitely attest to that because I've, I've seen it with guest speakers. There's a certain aura, right? Like th- there's a certain freedom that the children have and the aura that the person coming in, if they're legit, um, it not exude, yeah, exudes might be the word, but it it's it's this vibe where kids just think about something that they haven't in another way because they've been in classrooms, right? Like they've they've been in class, they know what classrooms are, and their minds are focused on so many other things that go along with the social norms of a classroom. But when they can just almost hide in a group and listen and take in in a new environment, something that they haven't been exposed to, you really can be amazed at the reflections that kids have. It, it's yeah. that That's awesome, dude. I had no idea you did that. That's fucking, I'm, my mind's like spinning with positive behavior support. If that many kids want to go blank hiking or something, right? right. Or like rock climbing or bungee jumping or whatever, like why would we not want to embrace that? And use that to help children be motivated to improve, to be better, to train, to learn, to read, to do the math with it, you Mm -hmm. know, so much. But yeah, so, and these are all things like, this is all trial and error. I figured out my grandfather and his, his war buddies and naval comrades there, my uncles, they all passed away within a year of giving me the statue. So one, it's given me a phobia about passing them on. And when I'm going to do it, I'm, it sort of takes my lifeblood out of me. And, uh, two, it's like, I didn't learn like that people were going to stop me on the street and talk about this or all the things, but it's just, it, it's crazy. I found the same way I found out with the students. I'm like, wait a second. There's no way. Like when I made the bucket list, when I compiled them and give them back to the teachers and, and the school and the district and everything, they're like, we just did a survey and they didn't say any of these things. Yeah. And then I realized what was going on. And now that's the way we sort of, we, we get to pitch this, but we're not cold calling schools or anything. It's always like we meet somebody on the road. They're like, my brother's works at this college. I'm going to talk to him about this because this is worth something worth of their time or things like that. Um, and we've been dabbling with getting a little more professional with it and, and getting an agent and things like that. But, it was right. Like we were debating it all. And then COVID hit and you know, yeah. COVID is, is enhanced people's like hobbies and things where they had more time or more effort, or they just really wanted to do it. But for us, 
most of it is interacting with strangers and traveling. Right. And those are the two worst things you can do during COVID basically. No, so <laughs> no doubt. It, and getting rid of the Everest trip and all that, I was, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was bumming out big time. And we were just like, you know what, we're going to hit the reset button and just take a little break and work on what was next. And, um, what we came up with, we, we have years and years of sort of wish list items, but one that came up because of COVID, it's funny, you were talking about the tattoo and a reminder every day and things like that. But something on our, our big picture list was to start uh, smithing silver and oh. making little like pirate treasure type coins, you know? Oh, shit, so we're going to start dude. silversmithing so people can have basically, you know, Ahab's Jolly Roger in their pocket. And it's almost that it's like a, it's a reminder, little pocket reminder. So it's just that weight of a Troy ounce in your, in your pocket. And every time you go in your pocket, you sort of feel it or you're reminded of it or you take it out and all that stuff. But it's also like that threat of piracy, like Ahab's Jolly Roger is to motivate you. And if you're being lazy, we're going to come find you type of thing. Man, dude, I, I, my mind immediately went to, can you imagine when you're going to all these places, just leaving this weird ass coin behind? And do you remember the excitement when you're a kid of finding a quarter, a nickel, a dime in the parking lot on the sidewalk and just being geeked beyond belief because it's free money? Oh, and we're, once we start this, um, we've already started making scavenger hunts that we haven't put out yet, but we're definitely going to do some really fun things in our area and sort of making, I, ideally we'd love to make sort of like a global scavenger hunt places we've been right have like a picture on the wall from a place we visited yeah, type thing and Hidden it's like treasures inter- you know yeah. like and encouraging people spot. to go on the scavenger hunt like take the picture that ahab took and send it in and it's you know it's almost like one of those every year go on this road trip pick any one of these 200 places basically right. that we've been to and whoever can basically collect this mo- the most places would win something and things, but these are all, you know, I figure I'll get to them eventually. There's so many things we're trying to cross off and so many, yeah. we add so many more than we cross off every year. It's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, that's what happens with creative ideas that um, are passionate. You can just see them expanding like exponentially mm-hmm. where like one idea leads to five more and you're like, Oh my God, if we do those five, then that opens up the door for these 30. And you're like, well, let's make sure we get the first couple. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what I've seen. Like when I was a whitewater raft guide, it, like, and these are all things that happened by chance, but all those people that gathered in the summer all went somewhere else in the winter. So it opened up this, this huge travel network for me. Mm. And I can't imagine if we actually pull off getting to Everest base camp, all the extreme athletes and climbers and everything that I'm sure do the same thing. They're there for peak season and then they go somewhere else in the world. And we've done it a few different in a few different uh, countries where we just were there for long enough where we meet a bunch of amazing people and they're all from everywhere else in the world. And it's just right. it's opened up so many doors and there's so many like I'm I'm pushing. What am I now? Thirty seven. But we're still like excited to be like, oh, we have a couch to sleep on in Italy and, you know, all these other things. It's, yeah, you know, man, it seems it's sort of like college student ish, but it's. Dude, it's Airbnb-ish, some... man. Like, right. like it's free Airbnb. That, that, yeah. Do you remember couch surfing back in the day? 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, is that still a, a website or a thing? I haven't even looked into that forever, it, but we used to that was a thing we used to look into and that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. I believe it got bought out by MySpace, so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. But like it was the way a, of MySpace. It was about that vein, but dude, that's what basically Airbnb is, right? Like, but without the personal relationship, although you try when you Airbnb, at least when I've done it, you look for a place I look for a place with style. Like I, I've gotten some really cool art studios that have a spare bedroom and you're living right. in an art studio for three, four days. And you're like, oh my God, man, like this is dope, but you're not interacting with the host. The couch surfing thing is exactly like what you're doing where it's the relationship you trust. It's just the weird, it's like hitchhiking, right? Like yeah. it's, that's the whole vibe behind it. It's <laughs> so two things with that. So we're uh, so with the silversmithing thing. I think we just bought a, a two-story house, and the first floor we're going to turn into an Airbnb, I believe. And it'll be a chance for people if they want to not only if they want that pocket reminder, that silver treasure type of thing, the pirate pirate silver, but they could come make it themselves and stay over and make like a oh. overnight about it, and really like it's almost like podcast esque, but we probably wouldn't record it. Maybe yeah. I should, maybe I shouldn't, but it's like. You get to sit down. We're having a conversation about what you want to do and how you want to do it and all that as we're making this trinket that should remind you of these goals that we set while we're making it. Yeah, you're talking the spirit into it. And that's funny. When you had said like Ahab's weighing blank more pounds, you're like, yeah, that's the spirit, man, right? Like that's that's your grandfather and his boy's spirit going into that. Imagine the spirit that goes into that coin if you actually have that conversation in a thoughtful, deep way while you're – while you're creating it. Like that's a powerful token. Right. And even if somebody can't come and and make it themselves or make it with me, it's they've met me somewhere and they, you know, they've met us and they have that experience and it just, it's sort of ingrained in that piece, that pocket reminder now. Now, if if we're going to set boundaries in your mind, because you being a famous icon, when we talk like when that. we talk about creating on a very personal level, my mind, because we've been talking movies, immediately goes to Patrick Swayze Demi Moore. Oh, now, yeah. Are you comfortable? And I have no idea how a token would be made, but are you comfortable just snuggling up behind someone on the potter's wheel and making sure that they're making this token just right? Or are there boundaries? <laughs> to the lengths that you'll go with personal no, I, connections. I think with, with silversmithing, it's very straightforward. It's, you know, being very careful, heating it up to temperature and pouring it and everything. And then there's just sort of a stamp no, type of thing you would do. There, I don't think there's going to be I mean, a lot of late night grazes of yeah. the wrists. No, 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 no. You rotate with this sort of turn at this momentum, you know, and then like there's the. <gasps> You grab them safe. No, I'm sorry. I'm just going all you're, So you're a romance writer on the side too, I, I see. It's not exactly romance. I forget what it's called. What are the $2 novels where the guy with the really busty chest like Fabio oh, yeah, yeah. would be yeah. on it? You know, I yeah. that would be my bucket list. Actually, can we put that since on the bucket list? I want Ahab to write one of those sleazy romance novels that people read on the beach that they're kind of ashamed, but not ashamed of. And I want it from Ahab's point of view, just like what he would do if he was that guy. All right. Well, we'll put it on the list and we'll, uh, I can't say that it's top feel, priority right now, but I, 
I can't say it could never be done either. I, I feel like that's just taken away from his purity and spirit. I apologize. I, I shouldn't even said that. I apologize. No worries at all. <laughs> but no, dude, I'm sorry. I, I like to say silly hyperbolic things because they amuse me. It's the thoughts that go on in my head, but I love the idea, dude. Like that's uh, in its purest sense, it's inspirational to people to create a reminder and actually talk about. And like what you were saying with Oscar Mayer Wiener plan about, Hey, let's make sure if this is a thing that matters to you, that like it can actually happen. This can become yeah. tangible. That that's an awesome idea. <laughs> And that's where the bucket list come in. You write down these goals and then the next step is how do I get there? And you almost have to write, you know, another 10 items of like, here's how I get to accomplish that type of thing. And that's, and then we start talking about if we really get into it or doing workshops at at schools or businesses and things, it talks about like how you're building a legacy and it goes all the way back to, well, it's got to start somewhere, but if you start at the end and what you want to accomplish then you can figure out all the steps to get there instead of starting on step one and saying, well, let's see where step two sort of leads us right. type of thing. Yeah. It's like a backward engineering. Yeah. What do you, and I, I'm imagining that you've thought about this, but with what Ahab has become and the vision that's happening, what do you think your grandfather would think of it? I'm not quite sure to be honest, because like, really, you know, I don't, I only knew him in my, like up to my late teenage years. Right. So we didn't really get to like, even when I got older, we were like having drinks with them underage and things. They were sort of pretty strict, but they were, they were very loose, but they were just like, don't you dare touch that. You know? And we had the fear of God in us. Right. Because back in the day, those kind of men were just like, Nope, they will take you all back and make you disappear. You felt like type of thing. And nobody (laughs) was going to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, your parents were like, sorry, if they say you're not coming back, you're not coming back. <laughs> right. It's like nothing we can do about it. So like, I don't, I didn't really know like the real adult side of them. I always saw the kids side of them in, in terms of Ahab. And I think that's what's helped me sort of keep living like this, where I get to meet people from all walks of life. And some of them are 60 and they're just trekking through Patagonia for the fifth time, or they, they went there seven years ago and didn't look back type of thing. And then there's others like just out of college backpacking and not really knowing what they're doing, but just seeing where the, the path takes them. And it just, everybody gets there at a different point. And we've met so many people. It's hard when we come home, you start interacting with an older or younger person and they're like, you're not my age. Why, why the hell are you talking to me? <laughs> and nobody realizes like, you know, your parents are 20 years older than you and right. that's it. They're not geniuses. They're not, you know, it's just like yeah. they have 20, 25 more years experience than you, but they're just people just like you. They've just been around a little longer or a little less or whatever it is. And uh, it's, my lines are all blurred. Cause I just, I get to meet people and it's not like, Oh, what's your favorite color? How old are you? Where are you from? We talk about big picture things. Like what do you want to do in the next five years and yeah, how are you going to get there? So you get deep pretty quick. I would imagine. Yeah. Does your dad or has your dad ever expressed any sort of like, man, I can't believe you got Ahab sort of thing or no? So it wasn't really like that in a way because that was why the property disappeared because they sort of hoarded their their identity with Ahab so much 
that they didn't quite understand what the property meant, what the statue meant. And I sort of snuck out to those card games. Nobody else in the family knew that I got permission. They would have lost their mind because everybody didn't have access to that barn. So when it all went down, I was the only one trying to say, no, we need to do this and keep this and all that stuff. But nobody really wanted to have that conversation. They're like, oh, well, we can all make a quick buck and get rid of this place. It's falling apart and blah, blah, blah. Oh my! So God. I just sort of took Ahab and walked away from most of that next generation because you know, that was the one fault. It's, it's on my grandfather and my uncles. Like they didn't, they didn't share their, their passion about why this place, everybody knew why it existed, but nobody was a part of it. You know, it was sort of their little secret in a way. So why do you think they kept it a secret? Because it wasn't so much a secret, but you know, they would just take off and go somewhere because, you know, they all met when they were 19 and this was sort of their brotherhood. But I think it made their kids jealous you know, it was that one thing like that statue is more precious to them than everybody else type of thing. Or who knows? I mean, huh. these are all hypotheticals. Gotcha. But one way or another, you know, the greed got in front of the, the passion behind why all these families were actually together and they're not blood related. Right. But and that's why it's so easy to make new friends now, because I grew up with not a lot of blood relatives. It was just all. Like, nope, this person's been around my entire life. They've been to births and deaths and marriages and everything. You know, it's just, that's who is your family. So I never grew up with that. Like, oh, well, you're technically second cousins, so you should be nice to each other. It's not, that's not how it worked. And not how I learned about family growing up. Man, that's, talk about like the absolute stark contrast of purity of ideas met with greed. And I'm not trying to paint anybody in a greedy light because I don't know what I would do if I have the opportunity to inherit a property and sell it and whatever, right? Like you think about money. So I I get that concept, but when I just contrast them with each other, again, it's like selling Neverland to me, right? Like you you just think about shouldn't we find a way to make this work to kind of just keep it going for no other reason than the fact that most people don't keep these things going. And it's um, all good. Well, the thing was, it was 327 acres, I think. Oh my God. And it had like, yeah, it was, there was so many sections. There was an orchard, there was a little pond, there was all kinds of stuff on it. And, you know, a hundred tree forts that I had built every time I went there type of thing. But I think the kicker was they all passed away super fast and every single one of them left their chunk to me and they had no clue why I was getting it all. Stop, dude. So that's where the whole thing came from. Everybody's like, wait a second. What, what did you do very recently to get them in your favor, basically? Uh... And nobody understood that it was the statue. And me understanding where the history of it came from and why we were doing it. And not to be super gossipy, but just because, again, I'm somewhat naturally curious. If it got left to you, how was it then able to be sold? Or did you okay the selling? Because That's the thing. It, you you're know, like, this happened at 20 years old. Yeah, right. It was not the same genius that I am now in terms of uh, real estate law and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it just was like, you know what? If you guys are bickering over a couple thousand or whatever the amount was, it's just like, take it, but yeah. don't talk to me anymore. And that was it. Oh, so man. I got Ahab and that was, you know, it's like, 
that little heirloom that you get that's not worth anything monetarily, but yeah. it's worth everything because that sums up 60 years of someone's life. Yeah. So I just sort of walked away from the whole thing. And looking back, I should have just said, you know, go crawl into a hole. You're not getting it. But it just, you know, at 20, when your parents or whoever breaks your heart, it hurts a lot more than the seventh time it happens with somebody. Right. So it's, Oh yeah. It was just like that first, like these guys all passed away and, and you, this is how you're treating it. You guys are all fighting over who gets a, a lamp and a rug and a whatever type of thing. And you have no idea who these people really are. So it was easy to cut ties, we'll say, after that. Oh, man. And I, damn, like we took a little bit of a downer vibe. Yeah, but so Those then, aren't things I talk about at the schools, believe right? it or not. No, well, but I think it, it's, inter I don't know if you could talk about it at schools, but I think it's kind of relevant to the spirit of the conversation like, dude, I even heard it in my voice, dude. I stood up several times. I was fucking excited. You know, like, the, again, the purity, the never, the never, never land. Is it two never lands or just never land? Is it two never? But like, just, just the idealism behind it, it's kind of sad that it wound up. So then you're somewhat estranged from your family. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's just, I think I lucked out. Like my, I'm with my old man and Ahab basically type of thing out of all that mess. And looking back on it now, it was definitely the right, uh, the right gamble. Gotcha. But, but overall, I don't, we don't have that place to set up that card table and fill the chairs that are now vacant. Yeah. Like my friends and I, we don't do one trip a year. We do as many trips as we can. And usually it's one or two of, you know, the crew, Ahab's crew. And they come like some of my, some of the crew, are like, okay, I get two weeks vacation. Let's go on a road trip. Other ones are like, oh, you're going to speak somewhere. I'll go with you and hold the camera. And think like some people like doing extreme adventures. Other people are like, oh, you're going to New York Comic Con. I'm going, you know, so everybody <laughs> takes a little piece instead of everybody getting together every July now. Gotcha. Try to do things every month, you know, besides when COVID happened, we've sort of yeah, yeah. been hidden working on the silversmithing thing and a few other fun projects. But but yeah, so everybody takes a little piece now and we can, it just keeps the momentum going. And, and every time I start, you know, I need to be motivated in other ways, but just the other day, I think our last post somebody, and this was a few years back, but we get so many like fan and friend mail type of thing where people will hand draw some of the pictures we take, or we have a, a stained glass, uh, Jolly Roger that I hang in the window that, uh, our friend, uh, Abby made us and it's just so many little things that get to re-motivate me about it now and just this family I've created out of strangers around for lack of a you know a better term a, a lawn gnome right yeah, so it's just it it's crazy how many hundreds and thousands of people know about this thing and I love like even even locally like it's sort of everybody's sort of null to it are numb to it because they see it in the back of my truck and they're like, Oh yeah, that's Ahab G just down here somewhere. <laughs> but when, but when they say that or somebody walks by the truck and they're like, what's going on here, somebody overhears it and they're like, Oh, you don't know about that thing. And they start talking and it makes other strangers. I'm not even part of the conversation sometimes, you know, they just see him somewhere and they start telling their version of the version of the story that I told them. And you can see <laughs> how it just explodes into you know, when you can say he's jumped out of a plane or went rafting or down to Costa Rica, 
like who knows what people are saying and big fishing their version of the story just because it's it's one of those stories you do you you make it a little bigger every time you tell it whether you're part of it for one adventure or a hundred of them I changed my bucket list. I either want him to be shot out of an erupting volcano or <laughs> choke a great white. Interesting. No, I'm just kidding. I, like, <laughs> I think he, you know, shark cages are on there. We tried to go to a volcano in Costa Rica, but the whole thing was closed down because it actually started being active again, which was interesting part of the trip. But, but yeah, there's, I'm sure I have a feeling you, would add a lot to the bucket list. Dude, and now, well, just from the people I've spoken to, and um, actually, you know what? I'm going to make my, is this fourth or fifth amendment to it? So here's what I want. I want you to go to Peru to, what is it? A shaman for ayahuasca tea. Have you heard about this shit? I have. I've had it prior to Captain Ahab. I actually went to Peru Stop. When, I was, when I was 16 years old. Stop, dude. Yeah. But, but yeah, but Ahab hasn't done it. So that's one of the few things that I'm like, I have, I've done this and you haven't type of thing. Cause most of the time, whatever he's done, I've, you know, he's technically done more than me cause he's been on a few trips without me back when we started with the, the core, but dude, no, you can't breeze over a fucking 16 year old Peruvian trip with ayahuasca tea. <laughs> How does that happen? Like, so it, we were, yeah, we were in the Amazon and we were at a, a shaman hut and I was basically like the, yeah, that doesn't do anything type of thing. And all of a sudden I, you know, I take a sip and then he like rubbed a little bit on the back of my neck and I could hear every single thing happening around me, but I was sleeping. Everybody's like, you were passed out stone cold. And I'm like, I've listened to the whole conversation you guys had. And they're like, it's been 25 minutes. You were sleeping. It was the weirdest experience. At least that's how I remember it now, you know, 20 years later. It probably wasn't like that at all, but. Dude, but who's okay with you? How are you a 16-year-old in this position? Who are you traveling maybe, with? Maybe they, you know, were just trying to hype it up and maybe it was just grass and water type of thing. You know what I mean? Who knows? It probably wasn't even anything, but whether they were playing a gag on me or not. Dude, no, like you went with your parents or you went with like no, a family no. friend? Like how did you get this was there? like, yeah, this was like a, a trip. So I went down and it was like, I went and it was on a, it was a trip for like with a bunch of 13 year olds type of thing. So I became like the, <laughs> the like TA, you know what I mean? They had the chaperones type of thing, but I was like the older kid. Oh my God. Tell me it was for like some sort of youth group. Some Christian YouTube. <laughs> sure, we can say that. <laughs> but anyways, off topic. We can no, you explore don't... that next time. Okay. If you don't want to get into it, I, I guess I understand. I'm just like 16-year-old. So the people I've had on that speak about the ayahuasca and tea that they take in Peru, they like the way they describe their memories of it is so like life altering for them. They, they really find a lot of purpose in their experience. And it seems like an eternity of an experience, which blows my mind because I had no idea about it. I saw the beginning of Billions um, season, mm -hmm. whatever season this year currently had. They're in Alaska, I believe, like sipping ayahuasca tea and they go nuts and they're like, this is what we're going to do. Um, 
and maybe they were just like, you know, they said it, but it was like a, a hundredth of a, you know, percent of what it really was, or, you know, they just said it was an experience. Like, I don't know. Like I said, it was so long ago, right? but I remember I was just basically put into a trance. It was almost like, uh, you know, when you have the, like somebody come to the high school and everybody like you make them, they're hypnotized type of thing. Right. Sort of like it felt like that in a way. Man, that's interesting. God. Yeah. To me, it would be crazy to have you reflect on life with that sort of psychedelic with Mm -hmm. Ahab and then record the conversation and just see what happens. Like one person's (laughs) got to be sober and you just figure out like, we're going to see where your mind goes on this. Right. Um, That would be, it would be very, um, not, 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 not psych. I already said cycle. It would be very insightful to Mm -hmm. just what the impact is, man. It would be interesting to me to see where your mind would go if you were freed from the restraints of the world. Right. I've never really thought about it. I think usually I have a, a neat glass of bourbon or something and we'll be talking, you know, you get a few glasses in and the conversation gets pretty deep type of thing. But yeah, I've never, uh, dabbled much further. Yeah. I, 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 I get scared too. Um, to be honest with you, but like, I mean, like it's, it's something again, and mostly these people are yogis or extreme travelers kind of like you. And they're, I'm amazed at what a common theme this ayahuasca tea is in, in people I speak to. And dude, that actually makes me wonder, is the Patreon like your main source of funding? Oh, not at all. We have like six people. It's more just like a fun, like it's an excuse to make. Uh, temporary tattoos or bookmarks or postcards or things like that. Right. It's just, it gives us a chance to explore new uh, sort of merch and things like that. And people get first, first dibs on it. But yeah, that, I mean, ideally it would be a a great resource, but realistically it's, it's not some, we don't have a hundred people or a thousand people like some of, you know, the people that are creating, they more creative art and things and music and all that stuff on there. Yeah. Or but the, it was just something we heard about it and we said, why don't we try it? And it's given us an excuse to make a ton of cool stuff for using in the future. Gotcha. And that was another thing I was curious about. And um, I, I don't know. Again, I never mean to be insulting whenever I ask a question. I, I always feel like I'm going to overstep some boundary, even though I think at this point, most people know, like the getting to know you, I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions about you. Um, like you're in college. Do you, do you have, like, are you an accountant? (laughs) Like, do you, did you do something with your college degree and you earn a salary of some sort or is like captain Ahab, how you're getting this silver smithing Airbnb, which is a beautiful (laughs) idea. I fucking love the idea. So I grew up like, you know, my grandfather was a jack of trades. My father is the same way he can build a house, build a car. He was a head catering chef for 20 years. Like he's just one of those. He, my, my uncle and my father were both wanted to trek Everest. And that's half the reason I instantly said, okay to Dylan. But I think they're a little too old now to actually come with me. I've been bugging them about it. But so it's the same thing for me. I went to school for marine biology. I use my biology degree um, at the local college in North Adams here. I'm a, the lab tech for the science building. So I prep labs. I keep 
animals and plants and bacteria uh, happy and, and healthy. And then I do whitewater raft guiding in the summer. And those are like my two sort of fun ways to, to earn a living for lack of a better term. Right. But, and then in the meantime, I get asked to come speak places. And as soon as that turns into, you know, I love, I love what I do for, you know, a career we'll call it, but I think of them more as hobbies. But as soon as I have to choose like, Oh, I have too many speaking engagements. I might have to give up this. We'll call it real world job type of thing. I think, you know, it's, it's choosing between two very good options, but I'm looking to make the transition sooner than later type of thing. I I really, I I pitch this all the time to go after your passions and dreams and all that stuff. Not that speaking was at 19. I wasn't saying, Oh, we're going to be motivational speakers and go all (laughs) over the place, but it sort of evolved into this and it's a very natural and, and healthy way to go with this. So now it's like, okay, I need to set a timeline and be there by that time or just take that leap off. And if it doesn't work, there's always another job somewhere doing something type of thing that you can fill eight hours a day with if you have to, but to not take this chance and do more with Ahab just seems silly at this point not to. Yeah. If, if, especially if you're getting that vibe of momentum building and man, that's, that's gotta be a scary and enthralled, like the adrenaline that comes along with, you know what, man, I'm going all in on this passion, this weird creative, unique idea. I'm just going to make it happen. And like teetering at that point, I, I don't know Would actually, now that I'm thinking as I talk out loud, is it frustrating to like be there, but not be there? Or do you just see it as like a step in the journey where, you know, if it'll happen, it'll happen. So I think, like I said, when you're, when you have sort of your eyes and ears open, to what you're looking for or those goals you want to accomplish. Like every year we, you know, speak a few more places and, you know, I've, it's, Ahab's never been like, never had a monetary goal. You know, like if you stop me on the street, I will give you that same story I give at the university in front of 500 people. Right. right? So it's like, I just love sharing the story and all that because it, and I think I've heard it in a lot of different shows and movies now, but I always, I've been thinking about this forever, but it's one of those things like my grandfather and, and uncles his naval comrades, like they're gone, but it's the day I stop talking about them, then they're forgotten. Right. And the mm-hmm. same thing with this, with Ahab, I'm trying to tell so many people the story because at some point I won't be telling it. And hopefully whoever I pass it to completely understands that this burden is completely worth it. But it's one of those things is I just want to keep the stories alive that I remember from being a kid around the statue and the camaraderie that came from it with, you know, those, those men. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job putting that sort of family of strangers back together and things like that. But it's all, now I know what happens the day I leave it and I want to stop that from happening again, where it turns into, okay, you're by yourself and you got to start this over. Like I want to leave it better than what I was left basically. Man, dude, have you taken Ahab to Vegas? I don't know why that beautiful speech 
which was touching, <laughs> made me think that. But like when, when talking about the forgotten in the card game, I was like, what's the biggest amount of money that Ahab has put on a whatever blackjack Texas Hold'em something? <laughs> so no, we have not been to Vegas. I don't know why what? I am so scared of Vegas, but it's just you know I have plenty of friends that go there all the time and things like that. But it's just one of those places. I'm like. We'll get there eventually, but it's just, I don't know. I have that. It's just something about Vegas. You know, it, it brings out different things in people and I don't think it's the best features they have. So I think I would just, I don't want to test myself in some ways In other ways. It's just like, what adventure would it be besides like a, a censored picture casino adventure, you know, oh. if that makes sense. It kind yeah, because so initially, are you thinking it's like hangover type style where it's just going to be a bunch of people just fucking being right. assholes, honestly, towards the Ahab thing and not really using it as the meaningful bucket list kind of a thing? Right. I think when you're there, it's the exact opposite of, of bucket list goals. You don't go to Vegas 100%. to fulfill a bucket list. You go to Vegas to do those things that are like, oh, that stays in Vegas or that's only happens in Vegas. It's like awesome catchy slogans but when you think about it there's i don't know i have that phobia i'm from a small place so i think it's just like that big scary lit up place type of thing that i've never gotten over got you man that's interesting because i would think naturally so then atlantic city is that small enough for you to go (laughs) yeah i've been to casinos and things like that but i've never been it's weird i'll i'll gamble on spending my life traveling with a statue like spent four months trekking through Patagonia, hitchhiking, barely speaking Spanish at that point. But going to Vegas, I'm like, that's scarier than going to a different country and just walking around hoping you survive type of thing. All because you think it just almost besmirches the spirit of our dear captain. Well, and we're not against, you know, trying anything type of thing once. And I'm sure if we were out, we also haven't done sort of the, the Southwest that much. Like we've been to the Grand Canyon and Bryce and Zion and all those places, but it was sort of like a road trip and on our way through, we haven't sort of done the Yosemite Vegas, like that corner, like California, Nevada, all that. So I think it's just, we haven't had the opportunity yet either in that sense. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I mean, immediately when you said the card playing games, I'm like, how are we not just, how is Ahab not at a table laying down all sorts of stupid bets, hey, you know? Yeah, no, I, I haven't even thought of that. Like they, they played cards. The game was called Whist. It wasn't like some real gambling game type of thing, but they, you know, they threw, we'll say 900,000 bucks into the pot, but it wasn't about that. And they played all night long. So I don't, I don't even know how they tallied who really won. Yeah, Cause honestly, cause I think. About. Basically, it was all about being cheeky and who could trick the other ones into convincing them that they won type of thing. (laughs) The next morning, it's all about like, well, if we give this person so much to drink, they won't even remember if they won, which means we can say so and so won. You know, like it was that like almost the piracy of it. Like, here's the rules. You're there's technically no breaking like you can break them. But so it was just an interesting like sabotage piece of it that was also a part of it which is funny because i sort of cheated i've listened to a couple of your podcasts and talking about like the the thing at the end uh, the best yeah. first 
You'll, you'll and that's the where the story one. sort of leads. So I'll just wait until later because I really want to save it till the end. Awesome. But it's, but it's about like one of those tricks at the card game. Perfect. And just, we don't have to get there yet, but what was the name of the game? Whisk? Whist. Whist. W-I-S-T? So it's sort of like, it's like spades or hearts or anything where there's like a, you know, that Trump okay. suit. Gotcha. I've but never just, heard of it's, that. Yeah. It just, it can be any suit and you sort of have to bid and, and sort of bullshit your way into having those cards type of thing. So perfect for, you know, I, the, the traits I learned from, uh, Oh my God. Basically playing a game like that. Uh, but using them for a positive twist with a, um, yeah, for the camaraderie. Um, and just for the personal skills, dude, you, you said bullshit. And like, I had not literally, that's a card game as well that I remember playing all sorts of hours of the night and I have no idea how to play it anymore. How sad is that? Right. It's just one of those games where you're like, I have seven twos in my hand and you know, that's yeah. not possible, but if you're good at it, right. You can convince, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you can use traits like that. Your charisma, your charm, all that stuff. You can sell somebody a very shitty car <laughs> or you can pitch things for good and convince them to do something else. Right. <laughs> and so I'd like true. to think I almost have those traits as a used car salesman. Right. But instead we're doing volunteer work or, you know, just the whole Ahab thing is convincing somebody to change their mindset. Right. But it's tricking them to do it. It's a complete trick. Everything's a trick, right? In can, that sense. Yeah. Well, to change something, it feels like you would need to trick them, right? Because right. most or people like, fight change. I know you're, you're, you have no uh, reference to Harry Potter, but I, I relate it to magic or my nephew, we have this debate a lot and he, he can't quite comprehend it yet. But he's like, magic isn't real. And I'm not arguing that, but I tell him, like, if I say I'm going to take this statue up that mountain or convince somebody to do it, like, how is that not magic? If I say a certain number of words or say something in a certain way and then that happens, like, that's magic to me. And it's just comprehending that where it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be a wand pointed at somebody's face type of thing. But if you can put a, a series of words together that changes somebody's outlook that makes them do something that you wouldn't normally do. I consider that magic. Man, you, you tried to paint me as a little romantic, man. You, you're, I I'm, I think I might call you an idealist. Like, that's <laughs> Yeah. But it, but I get very disappointed sometimes. I, I like the ideas I come up with, but they're almost impossible to get a lot of people on board with. So, uh, just haven't found those right people yet, man. Yeah. I think I found a, plenty of right people, but there's just a lot of, a lot of distractions in the world today, but that's a good point. I've, uh, I also, I, who did I listen to? Was it Jonesy that podcast? And you guys got so sidetracked on, uh, some fun political and all kinds of other stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to let them sidetrack into all that. Uh, We're not going to talk <laughs> about that tonight. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind how it goes either way. Um, but yeah, Jonesy, right. that was, that's another dude where he went for his passion, man. Like he was fucking in Boston yeah. and he's just, he's going for this comedy thing. And he was actually like you towards the end of that pod, he found the hardest thing. I didn't realize this for comedians was like finding stage time and it's a pain yeah. in the ass. And like the dude figured out a brilliant way, almost like you, man, like pre COVID it was gaining so much momentum. And then all of a sudden it shut down and 
you're like, man, that's so sad. But he, much like you, is like, yeah, but it's also an opportunity for me to like get better at he's podcasting, right? I think it's like right. weird as fuck news, weird AF news. Right. And he does yeah. like 20 minutes a day, dude. He has, and, and it's just neat to see creative people use opportunity to see what happens. And, and it's cool. It's cool. Cause other people, the COVID-19, okay, I'm going to gain 19 pounds. Well, if you're creative, you might <laughs> gain 19 ideas, right? Right. And then that can propel you somewhere in life. And it's, I don't know, man. It's yeah. Well, I, and that's where COVID. That's what happened to me. I was like, okay, we're not going anywhere. So I went outside, and we just had bought the place right when COVID happened. And there's a garage out there, but it was just loaded with crap, and it was moldy, and it just all kinds of junk. And a buddy of mine were just sort of bored, have a lot of free time, so we gutted the whole garage. And then we realized it's like there's just brick and concrete and this old, amazing looking wood and all this stuff. And we're like, right. wait a second that silversmithing idea we said we'd get there like 40 or 45 type of thing right and it's like we have a space to do that right now and now i just switch gears and started setting up that basically and now it's it's basically five years ahead of when we were planning on it but it's the perfect time to do it type of thing so yeah like our last adventure was technically what was it it was i think it was in january we had like a heat wave so we went to boston went to boston common yeah and just like hung out in the park a little while. And we haven't, I haven't taken Ahab anywhere since essentially February. Oh, no way. Do yeah. You, you at least see. adventure wise, but you know, it's hard when it's a lot of visual stuff, like we're doing things behind the scenes, but it's, yeah, we sort of just, we're like social media break, you know, picture break, everything. And we started doing some other R and D for the silver. Yeah. Infrastructure, uh, venture. infrastructure. Do you allow yourself to have a favorite adventure or is it so much about helping and getting to these people and inspiring that it's, I don't want to call it work. I feel like I do that all the time where I don't know the right word and I'm like careful, but do you get to have a favorite adventure where you're like, you know what Ahab, I don't care what you want. I'm all in on this (laughs) or is it just a grind? So I think it's, so none of these things feel like work. I mean, if you come for a hike with us, you'll see all the times I swear and you don't see the, like you see me smiling and goofing off, but yeah, there's some times where we're just like, why did I decide to do this place? Or, you know, cause it's just, <laughs> it's, he's 43 pounds, right? Is that what I've been saying? 43. Um, <laughs> but no, I have some, I think my favorites revolve around stories and I can, Tell a couple quick. I don't know how long we've been talking, but oh, it's... dude. Well, I'm I'm not on any sort of a uh, time frame. I know if you are, I understand right. that it's it's on, only hour forty six. So what's that? One hundred and six minutes. That's, that's nothing, <laughs> yeah. man. That's nothing. Dropping the bucket in eternity. Yeah, but so like one of our latest ones last last summer, we went to Walking uh, Watkins Glen State Park in New York around the Finger Lakes. We did all like the waterfalls and hikes through there. And there was this older lady and her two daughters, her daughters were probably in their forties and she was, uh, I don't, I don't know, a spry 65, we'll call her. But, uh, she was sitting on the bench and her two daughters were there and they were basically saying like, Oh, don't worry, mom, we'll come pick you up. It's a, it's a loop type of thing. She was sort of giving up on this hike and they took a picture where they have and she was like, yeah, I've always wanted to go here. I sort of waited too long to do it. Now I'm not even like, I, I'm, I don't feel healthy enough to do this hike. 
and we were chatting and I was saying how basically I'm, I'm dragging Ahab up through this ravine here, or the, you know, the little, the narrow passage through the waterfalls and things. And all of a sudden we, you know, we stopped and talked to the next person after we got done talking to them, took and took the picture. And five minutes later, her daughter's already ahead of her and she comes trekking up behind us saying, you know, just screaming, wait for me, I'm coming with you guys. And we sort of just leapfrogged up. And she's like, if you're carrying that 43 pound statue, I'm going to finish this. And so every time we took a break to stop and like, it was that joke. Every time somebody asked me, I'm like, Oh, thank God you asked me. I needed a break. And (laughs) then she would catch up to us. And when we left, she took a break there and we just sort of checked in with each other. And all of a sudden we were at the top and I saw her daughter's and she's like, oh, I'm so glad we got to see you again. Like, sorry about my mom and all that stuff. And then 30 seconds later, she came up the trail and I didn't tell them that she was actually, she came with us the rest of the way. And it was just like a really cool experience. So now Watkins Glen to me is this like really exciting, you know, it was a mile and a half, but it was, it was a really, it was a really fun experience because if we didn't happen to be on that trail and meet them at that time of day, her story would have been like, Oh yeah, I did the first half a mile then turned around. My daughters picked me up right? type of thing. And that's just one of so many. So that's one of my favorite ones. And that's just a state park in New York. That's not, you know, it's not a special yeah. place for, you know, there's other places that look like it, but Dude, there's how, thing. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm just wondering like, how scared are you that you've pumped this older woman who is not feeling athletically fit to complete this? And like you've given her an injection of adrenaline and now her hip goes out. She tears an Achilles. Now on top of the 43 pound statue, you're like, how do I help this woman to get back to civilization? Did, does that go through your mind at all? Or am I weird that that's exactly where my mind goes? Well, and I think it was just one of those things where, you know, you just get up, you don't sleep well or something. You're like, eh, actually, I don't feel like doing that. It's real easy uh, not to gotcha. like do that goal. I don't think she wasn't physically fit enough to do it. It's a very, very easy hike in okay. a sense if anybody wants to go there. Gotcha, but I gotcha. think it was just like a little hot, a little everything. And she was just like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this, gotcha. but it was just that it was her mindset. Right. And yeah. I, I don't think the people around her, she didn't have like the support for it in that sense. But again, this is me remembering it. It's probably a completely different way. She probably didn't even, she was like, I don't even remember that statue. I just went and did it because I wanted to. Right. <laughs> no, but I don't believe that. I don't believe yeah. that you're not going to take away from the magic at all. Yeah. But so that's just like a random state park in New York. That's one of my favorite places now, but there's like, we would, we trekked all the way through Patagonia and Chile to raft it on the food of Lafu and drink out of that river. It's supposed to be the, purest water in the world basically and having the rafting background it's just like you're not a real raft guide unless you go to that river at least once why is that it's just it's one of those rivers that's just it's like if you type in like top whitewater rivers in the world like it's always in like the top three or what it's it's on every list type of thing so it was just an excuse like we want to go to that river how do we get there Oh no, but so, and cause I know nothing about whitewater rafting or anything. Is it the length? Is it the challenge? Is it the drops? Is it like debris and rocks that make it top three? Is it the scenery? So, so it, yeah, it, I think it's all of that. It's a class five river. It's very dangerous. They're using ore rigs and everything, but it's also like you can see 30 feet to the bottom and see a little fish swimming around at the bottom. It's crystal clear. It's, oh my it's God. just 
runoff. You know, it's, even if humans wanted to trash that place, it's so hard to get there that you like the infrastructure of the place isn't developed because they can't bring in the stuff to trash the place. So it's like a hidden gem even now that people still like there's more people there than ever, but it's still it's still a gem of a place. But uh, and other things like we've gone skydiving at Jump Town in Orange Mass a couple times. And the first time we went, it was back in the early days of Ahab. And we sort of convinced them to take them as like a, a cross promotional thing. Like you make us a video and do all the stuff and we'll promote it and we'll do, you know, you do it for free type of thing. But then we did a group outing with about a dozen people in 2016. And as soon as we showed up, they're like Ahab and everybody in the place was like, that's a statue that went skydiving like 10 years ago. And it was just like this thing, like, you know, I mean, it was almost like a ghost that nobody had ever seen, but they all heard about, Gotcha. you know, there was so much hype behind it. And then all of a sudden we showed up and everybody knew what it was already. Was it like, how did Ahab skydive? And I don't like how you brushed over a class five, 30 foot deep (laughs) whitewater, crystal clear river, but I'll ignore that for the moment to stay on topic is did Ahab go in tandem? Mm-hmm. Okay. With who? So, uh, so it just, you know, they all drew straws basically at, at base camp there about who was going to go with them. Um, and yeah, but so we, we did that and they made a video and that's, that's up somewhere that we have, but it was just a lot of fun. Cause like the guy had ne- never heard about Ahab that he jumped with. So he was like, having a conversation with him on his GoPro, (laughs) but he would always like on purpose, he would like ask question, but he'd never like pretended to be his voice or anything. So there's a lot of awkward pauses. It's just, he had a lot of fun with it. Right. Um, And so did the rest of the group. And then, like I said, my buddy, Justin comes with me all the time, like once a year, my roommate from college, Luke, like he always calls me. He's like, Hey, remember that Boston urban Iditarod or an Iditarod race that we wanted to do? It took us seven years to find one, but, um, they're like a shopping cart race. So instead of dogs, you have people pulling a shopping cart in the city. And it's like a pub crawl. <laughs> I had no idea instead that of, existed. Instead of like Dude, you know, the 100 you are, mile wait, dog wait, sledding wait, race. Geez, you are blowing through these stories, man. And it, it, it's fine if you are. Are you on a little press for time? Because you don't have to feel like you have to. Oh, no. I don't even know what these. time is it. Is it 1030? Dude, yeah, it's only 1030, man. You've, you've given... Four different wonderful examples that you've only given a minute and a half to. And right. I, well, you have to go to the website to check out the details, I guess. Oh, it's a mark. Gotcha. <laughs> Can I but let let me ask about before we get onto this Iditarod shopping cart bar crawl, which is sure. Which I may because it's not down here and we're a huge party town in the summer. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm going to try to like guerrilla market that thing with all the shopping markets that we have and make yeah. that happen on like, I a think the one market. I heard about was actually in DC was the one we always wanted to go to. And then it sort of disappeared. Yeah. But I, that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. I feel, and I don't know if it's the best for me as a teacher admitting that I'm going to do it. So I won't, right. but I definitely may have a friend who's extremely interested in trying to make that happen for some maybe cross promotional reason. Um, I'm curious skydiving with Ahab. Like, was that your first time skydiving? So, no, I think my first time was it? Yeah, no, my first time was that time with Ahab, but we made it. Uh, one of my closest friends from high school, we went, We his mom wanted to go and his sister, so we sort of made it like this 
this family trip type of thing. And then after that, my old man and I went and I did it like every year before I went back to college, we went and jumped out of a plane and it was just the, <laughs> the rush you get from it is a little crazy. But then when, once you just, you're just falling and just sort of just there, your whole mind is just, it cleared my head and it was a nice, like refresh before I got into going back to school. What and then you- I would, so I'd always try to do that, but then we sort of left it alone for a, a couple of years until we made that group outing. Cause a lot of people were asking like, Hey, we want to do this. Do you know, you know, asking if we had any connections and whatnot. And then jump town gave us an amazing deal to bring a bunch of people. And it was just, it was so much fun to work with them and bring, you know, like a dozen people with us. What do you mean? It cleared your head. I hadn't heard anyone describe skydiving so, in that way. I, I I don't know how to describe it. Like, have you ever done one of those like uh, polar plunges? Uh, no. <laughs> so I used to, before Ahab, I coached Special Olympics and things, and the fundraiser was always the polar plunge. Yeah, same here. And you say, you know, you cut a hole in the ice basically and have to jump into freezing cold water. And ever since I did that, it was the same thing. Like you jump in and your system's shocked, but then it's like, it's like a reset. And you just feel relaxed and calm and like you're, you're not worrying about what celebrity news or what Fox news or whatever thing, you know what I mean? You forget about all the baloney basically. And it's just like, um, how about in office space? You know how he gets hypnotized? Yeah. And then he's just like carefree. Right. So it sort of makes you feel like that. And it, I don't know, it lasts different for different people, but you get that sort of feeling where you're just like, the small things don't really matter that much or those little problems you're having and things. So that was like a, and it was just the adrenaline rush. And I think after it was gone, you're just, you're left in a, you know, there's just a lot of empty space type of thing, but it just sort of shut my brain off for a little bit. And I always thought that was a a nice way to start the year, just clear everything and go into it fresh. That's I, I like how you said that the the shock, the system makes complete sense. Cause if the body goes, survival mode like freaks the fuck out oh my god like like and we could get into the cold cold water cold body of water jumping thing in more detail but i i love doing i still do it to this day dude i've heard so much good talk about even just a cold like dealing with a cold cold showers except for like the the middle of winter i mostly take cold showers all the time for the same reason do you really yeah God, then talk on it, man. Convince me. So I'm like, dude, I'm right there. I'll, so I'll, again, I, I jog. So I'm, I'll go for a four or five mile jog and I try yeah. to jog at sunlight times. I actually like jogging where I get a really good sweat because I feel like it cleanses me. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm fit enough to deal with the strain. I don't push myself to keep a particular pace. So I feel like I'm safe. Right. You know, I'm not like got to hit 725 today. Cause I, right. that, that's when you get a heart attack. You let your body handle it. You embrace the moment, you embrace the suffering and you come back great. But then I always take a, not a hot shower, but a warm shower. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I got out, like someone's telling me about cold shower and I did it once or twice and got to admit, man, I was, it was almost like I went vegan for two days, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it, so you, you brought up that running thing, you know, like when you're playing a sport or you're just running, 
but then you get into that sweat where you're just like dripping. Yeah. But it's like a good sweat. You don't even notice it. It's not like in your eyes. It's not annoying, but you're just like, you're in that moment. Like your, your body's working how it's supposed to without your brain telling it like, Oh, we need to go eat some junk food or whatever else. Right. So it's that reset is sort of like that, where it's just like, you could just keep running forever in that moment type of thing. I think if is an analogy, I think you can understand about running. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, I, I've like, I falsely felt confident every once in a while. I'll be like, dude, I can fucking keep an eight minute a mile pace and do a marathon though. I've yeah. never gone over. I think the most I've ever jogged at one time is like six and a half miles, but I've convinced myself several times where I'm like, you know what today I might just jog for four straight hours. Just see, yeah. you know, and you're, you're so right about that. Yeah. Well, I think, and that's something I don't understand. And I think you and Dylan, dabbled into that when you were talking about his birthday runs and i'm like you're crazy i will never run Dylan's more crazy. than a mile with you type of thing i'm just like if you want to see me running you gotta chase me at this point i'm <laughs> like you know we hike and I, I consider myself pretty in shape but you know i have to be chasing something to be right like i have to be playing a sport or doing some activity i can't just run i i get in my own head i feel like it doesn't clear my head to run uh... unfortunately yeah. Yeah. It zones me out. But again, I put in the earbuds, I go with the podcast or I go with some music right. and I just fall into the breathing. It's almost meditative to me where yeah. if I sit and try to meditate alone, my, I, I guess I'm just mentally weak. I can't keep my mind on the breath, but. Oh, I, I can't do that either, yeah. which is why I, I don't understand running. Cause as soon as you start thinking about your breathing, you're done no, when well, I run, I feel like. So I was in the military and the cadence is something that I feel can happen pretty naturally, man. Especially like if you have music, it's amazing how you can just get your feet into the beat and you're hitting on your heel and your breath comes along with it. And it's, it's to me, to me, it's almost like what you were saying about that system shock where if I don't run, I don't feel like I've reset my body. Right. You know, and that's where the cold showers come in. Like, Sometimes like, I don't want to take a cold shower all the time, but when I, I'm like, okay, well I have to do something where, you know, my body temperature's up or I have to work hard or finish a project. That way when I go in the shower, it's like refreshing. Right. If you just like get up in the morning and go jump in the cold shower, you're, you're going to scream. Like, it's not like you're (laughs) ready for it no matter how many times you do it. So I'm always trying to do an activity or finish a project where it's like, you know, it's, it's the same thing with like, after you run, like that beer you have or that you cook a burger or you cook whatever, you could burn something and eat it. Oh, and you're so like, this good. is the best thing I've ever had yeah. because you just, you've, you've worked for it. Right. You're just exhausted in that sense where it's just like everything tastes better or, or and that all that. So and I think that's the same thing with the cold shower. It's like, it's a good feeling in, in that sense because you can do it because you've accomplished something. Yeah, that's, you know, I hadn't thought about the cold shower like that, but I, that kind of um, context makes it make sense. Much like, again, Scott, like what makes you appreciate life more than near death? What makes you appreciate health more than illness, right? And, right. and it's, it's one of those things where now I'm starting to understand that whole system shock of the skydiving to just not let you worry about Oh my God, I missed the notes or, Oh God, this essay, I got a C minus or whatever. Like, yeah, like bullshit right. comes with a college kid that they're dealing with that the world's going to end based on one like post. 
Mm-hmm. Um, dude, how long did skydiving feel compared to how long it was? So I think it's only a couple minutes you're falling and then, you know, you're, the parachute opens and you, you sail around for X amount of time. But the first time, cause they always tell you like, Oh, cause I've, I've only done tandem. I don't think I want to really get into the solo stuff ever. Really? It would be cool to train and learn it and be able to jump with Ahab someday, I think. But at the same time, it's like, I don't need to do everything with Ahab. The whole, the whole point is to have other people included. So the fact that other people have these skills and can do it with them, I don't need to be three inches away from them at all times. But, but yeah, the first time I did it, they're like, okay, we'll wave your hand in front of you. Like wave the, they'll take their hand, wave in front of your face so you can pull the cord. And like 90% of the people never pull the cord because you don't even see their hand waving because you're just sort of overwhelmed. But then after the first time, I saw the hand every time and I, you know, you pull the cord and all that stuff. But that first time it was just like a flash. And after that, it's just like, it feels like you're up there for an hour. Does it really? So it the first time it's gone in an instant and then afterwards, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's like that for everything, right? Like everybody gets so anxious about their first, like you're going in, like going on a roller coaster, right? And the first time you're going up the, you're, you sit in the front seat or whatever you are, but you're going over the top and you're just like, oh, what's going to happen? And then once you get into it, you're like, this is awesome. And then you run back around and get in line and you don't have that same sort of anxiety or yeah. it's a different kind of rush because you know what's coming the next time, but it's still exciting, but you're just not you're more educated on the experience, yeah, I guess. It's not so much survival. You actually get to enjoy it. You get to right. breathe a little bit. God, I don't know, man. I've never wanted to do skydiving. Would you recommend it? Would that be something that you would say everyone who lives and on, on God's green earth needs to get up way in the air and jump out of a perfectly good airplane? So for me, I think it's, it's one of those experiences that's, you know, like, sure it's, it's safe enough at this point. Like you're more likely to get in a car accident than your parachute, not opening right. type of thing. But like some people, their bucket list goals are to go to a comic convention. Other people's are to go to a national park. Other, you know, it's just, it doesn't have to be an extreme thing to say like, Oh, everybody should go skydiving or whitewater rafting oh, no, or dude, I was, a race. I was looking yeah. at it more from what your perspective of like, it'd be super interesting to me if people push themselves to have their systems reset, like you were saying, yeah. and you almost wonder, can you get that finishing a 5k? Do you know what I'm saying? Like on some, right. on some like lower and again, not trying to put anyone down, but on a less life and death <laughs> bucket list right. goal, it, the system shock is something I hadn't thought about very often, but I think that's, I think there's some substance to that. Yeah. So I think it's like anything else. The first time, the couple of first couple times you do it, I think it's well worth it. But even for me going once a year, I didn't like, it wasn't enough time in between. So I think just doing something new or to, to shock your system like that, right. like it doesn't have to be the same thing all the time, but yeah, doing yeah. something new to make that same, um, same thing happen, but with, you know, a different, you're, you're using something else like a different adventure or different something. Yeah. It, 
it takes you to like a primal place almost like that survivalist yeah. where you just yeah you get re-touched with whatever that spirit that's been passed down through evolution into your genes yeah because even my roommate from college his old man has run like literally 32 um marathons or some ridiculous number even if it was 18 it would be too many right yeah, that's, yeah. and it's like he just does it now it's not even like a you know, it's like eating breakfast to him right. at this point. And it's crazy. I don't understand it. I hate running with a passion. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. He just does it. For, and for me, it's, I'm one of those people I want to see sort of do as much as I can. Uh-huh. And then when I'm older, I'm like, okay, I like these 10 things. I'll repeat them gotcha. for a bunch of years instead of being like, oh, we go to the same place every year and do the same thing and don't try anything new. And not that there's anything against doing that. But it's it's how they have things started. Yeah, but right. For me, was, it's more like I want to try a lot of things and see what I like, and then I'll pick my favorites and sort of have those rituals of annual, you know, every year doing it. Yeah, it's the evolution of Ahab, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like things grow, exactly. things develop, things change, and I yeah. think that's almost where the world is now. Although I think the world does yearn for that tradition, but I feel the tradition brings so much angst where people need to be a little more malleable and flexible with the tradition is the experience. It's not the environment, right? It's not the fact that we have to have the exact same China at the exact same dining room table in the exact same kitchen. Right. Like it's, it's not, or on the exact same day. Right. Right. It's It's just the difference between OCD and the overall experience. Yeah. Man. Did did you ever get into an experience that just freaked you the fuck out with Ahab? So it's funny. Some people like come up to us and they're like, this is going to sound weird, but this is what my family does. Like there's always that disclaimer, right? And then they get like, they get the bottle of lotion and you're like, no, 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 no. no. We don't know. That's not what Ahab's here for. (laughs) No, but I get that disclaimer. Like you're going to think this is weird. It happened yesterday and the latest one, but they're, they're telling me that I'm going to judge them basically based on what they're going to tell me as they're telling me because they talk to me because I'm carrying around a humongous lawn <laughs> ornament. So it's like, I'm, I'm the oddball in the situation, but nobody, they just think it's normal right. in that sense. Like it doesn't come off as some weird thing. And they're telling me why they're, they think they're, you know, odder than I am in a, in a way. And I never, I never understand how people, I think it's the weirdest thing. Like on paper, you know, just like, oh yeah, that guy carries around a statue. I know the feats that we have done are very impressive. Like I, I enjoy, you know, the credit we get for some of these things we've done, but at the same time, it's like, man, you're, you're just nuts. There's no reason to take that 43 pound block of wood, all these places (laughs) at the, you know, and we've weaved it into this very nice story, but at the same time, you know, there's somebody else being like, that guy's just crazy and he's proved it for 20 years and it's not a good crazy sometimes, you know? So no, like there was no one situation that you felt over your head because of, I guess, you know what, if it ever got freaky, you do have like a 43 pound clue (laughs) item, right? That is just like, it could take a bullet. It would definitely maim someone, you know, like it's, it, 
if like worst case scenario, you just put it in the center and it's one of those weird games of tag where you're just like yeah. running around in a circle. And it's I, like, yeah, I definitely picked him up or hit a doorway a couple times and he's definitely headbutted me and it's, uh, you know, dude, you I'm can shocked. easily get a concussion. I'm surprised I haven't knocked into anybody with him yet, but he's almost like a, just an attic added extension of my arm in that sense yeah i'm just like i understand his his shape but yeah it's but no there hasn't been any i don't think there's been any like odd interaction interactions like that i would have almost i like if i would have had to bet my life that and i i do that it's actually um something i heard from a uh the ringer bill simmons podcast it's like if you had to bet your life and he's a sports guy thing and i've always I love the finality of that where you have to make a decision because so many people Mm -hmm. like him and Hall. It's a lot like what you're saying, dude, like people have excuses. But like if I would have had to bet my life, I'm in the movie Saw or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like you've been in a situation where your heart rate's elevated and you're like, I don't know. I I would have been like, (laughs) it's absolutely happened. Yeah, so maybe that was like Patagonia. Because there were some instances where literally trekking and hitchhiking all the way down as far south as we can get. Um, and the farther south you go, the more remote it is, the less people are inclined to sort of be friendly to outsiders and things like that. And there were points where it's just like, yep, we have X amount of money in our pocket. We, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm fluent in Spanish in any way, but I definitely got by down there. But it definitely you realize how remote you are. It's not like, Oh, I'll just take out my cell phone and call somebody and they'll come pick me up type of thing. It's like you're 4,000 miles away from any type of person that you have a relationship with and things like that. That's something. And I'm, I'm sorry, but like the emphasis of that is I feel Americans very often can get a false sense of security with, even though defund the police and all that shit, right? Like you need authority. You need people when shit's going down, that yeah. you can call that know how to handle a situation, although some of them do it in the most fucked up way. But you can take that for granted when you travel, assuming it's the same thing. Like, oh, oh yeah. if some shit it's, goes down, I can call. And you're like, nah, motherfucker. Like, it's on. It's, it's primal. It's you on you. That's it. Yeah, and I can't say that I've experienced much prejudice at all in my life. But when we were traveling in South America and people were just like, you know, turning their head or ignoring you, even though you were looking for some sort of assistance and you get to that very small glimpse, glimpse of the whole thing. And it's just like, you're, and this isn't like in the U S everybody's speaking the same language type of thing. It's like you are in the middle of nowhere and you got to figure it out type of thing. But it's also like, that's, it's not half the fun, but it's, it's half the reason you do it. You have to get outside of your comfort zone a little bit. That might be an extreme situation, but if you're complacent and doing the same thing every day, you, you, you just have to challenge yourself a little bit, even if it's just hiking a little longer or running a quarter mile more or whatever it is. Well, yeah, because if you're on that road and you don't have a ride, like what, are you just going to stop? Or are you gonna right, because there was some times where we were waiting to get, you know, trying to hitchhike. And we'd literally be sitting on our backpack for six hours. And other times it was like 10 minutes, Yeah, you know, and you just don't know. It's like, we wanted to be there 12 hours ago and now it's nighttime. We're walking at three in the morning type of thing. But 
Dude, what? Speaking speaking of, I know enough Spanish to get by. Like, how are you explaining? Is there an explanation for this big ass wooden character? So I've noticed traveling outside the U.S. and I don't know. I don't think it's a language barrier, but it's just one of those things. People people aren't as nosy in that sense. They're just like we don't we don't really care why you're carrying that thing around like that's not part of our life where you know everybody in the states is like wants to know everything or have an opinion on everything sometimes so i feel like it's it's a lot easier to travel in our culture but when we go overseas and things there's still people that are curious but it's not pervasive different it's it's definitely different the ratio of how many people talk to us is not the same when we you know leave the the nation and dude are and you're carrying Ahab like, and, uh, so I'm picturing one of two things. Like you're carrying it around your arm, like you're choke holding Ahab, <laughs> or you have like the baby carrier from, again, the guy with the hangover. Yeah. No. So for Everest, we've customized a backpack right? from a company we haven't even told yet. We're hoping we can have some fun with them once they realize what we're doing with it. But most of the time, and you'll get this reference, but I carry them on either shoulder, but it's like the 80s boombox reference, nice. you know, where they would have it up on their shoulder, they're holding on to the top, and it's just much wider than, they're, than they are. And that's how I carry them, basically. Just up on my shoulder type of thing. Um, I don't think any amount of D batteries would add up to 43 pounds. <laughs> I think it's I'm physically. curious what that would be. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. It would be a thousand. Have to but be I think that's thousand. part of it. If I had him in like a stroller, you would just think I'm a crazy person carry, you know, with a statue right. in a stroller. But the fact that I'm carrying them like that, it just, it's again, it makes people, they do a double take when they walk by and then we end up stopping to talk to somebody and they catch up and they're like, okay, I'm sort of curious now because you're obviously a little bit not all. Yeah, there. dude, that's a great point. Does it make you more or less likely to catch a ride? That'd be something interesting. So if any listeners actually make it this far, and I'm trying to get better at like listener engagement because I feel from what I've read on the internet that matters. Um, two hours, 17-ish in, are you more or less likely to give a ride to someone who has a 43-pound wood figure on their shoulder like a boombox, right? Like, are you looking for that conversationalist truck drivers out there? Or are you thinking... This guy's a voodoo practitioner and he's just snatched a soul because like, dude, that had to be part of the culture down there. Or was it not that like spiritual aspect? I've definitely gotten when we were in the Virgin Islands and things, people would ask like, is this your God or you have to carry him around because like you pray to him, things like that. Yeah. And, And as a disclaimer, when I was in South America, we met the opposite end of the spectrum where there was people that stopped on the side of the road, insisted we not only like camp on their property but have dinner with them like it was just it it was so friendly in that sense but there was other times we're in the middle of nowhere and everybody's like nope i have my agenda and there's so many people trekking and hitchhiking down there that it's like you know i'm sure people do it five times a week but they don't want to do it seven times a week where they pick up somebody every time they go to town and things like that i'm sure there was a the other end of the spectrum of that but the hospitality for people that and they were, I was trying to practice Spanish a lot. 
and they were like, no, 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 we have to talk in English and practice this. Like, right. it was, I was almost hindered. I thought I'd learn more Spanish there. And they're just like, oh no, we're using you for English practice in that sense. So that was, it was interesting. Like the yin and yang of both sides of the spectrum of the, the culture down there. That's a good point too. I didn't think about that. Like, so they can identify you as a gringo and they're all of a sudden like, man, I could get a little English lesson, learn some yep. words on my way with this, um, idolater, this idolater, idolatist toting. <laughs> How do we frame? I need better words for that. This, what would the, but I, yeah, and it, that's the thing when you leave the States too, people are self-educating at all times. I feel right? like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We're here. It's just like, no, we know everything. We don't want to, we don't need to learn anymore. And it's just, yeah. Everywhere else they're like, no, no, no. Everything's a lesson. Everything, you know, let's, let's talk for 10 minutes. I'll improve my English. I better myself and all this stuff. But here it's just like, you know how it is here. We don't even need to get into it. Dude, yeah. But, it's uh, a weird consumerism, man. It, it fucks with right. me a little bit, to be honest with you. And I think yeah. about it in myself with production versus consumption. And it's, and I don't know, I'm 39, I just turned 39. So I'm 39 going on 40, turned 39 in July. And I, I don't know if it's midlife crisis-ish, because I don't remember thinking this way so much when I was younger. But at the same time, I feel like I produced more than I consumed when I was younger. And I don't like it. I don't like the idea. It's part of why I enjoy the running and working out, because I'm like, I need to produce. Even if I'm just burning calories, I'm producing energy in some sort, which right. allows me to consume. And I feel it's so unhealthy to just consume all day. And that seems to be where America is headed. That consumption of, whoa, I binged on this show. Great. You spent 12 hours watching a show and it led to five seconds of a conversation to say you like it. Right. Where's the analysis? Where's the thought? Where's the, oh, it changed my life. This character identified, I learned. And you don't yeah. get that. And it, it it bothers me, man. But again, I feel like that makes me old guy, get off my grass. <laughs> keep well, even, see where like, I have it. I think I'm a pretty green person, but even looking around, it's like you can see the waste with me and things like that. You know, not big things, but it's just like we take a lot of things for granted and don't get me wrong, I, I paint myself as like, oh, I'm an avid traveler and do all this stuff. But also when I'm home, I'm an avid gamer. And oh, really? in the winter, I definitely binge Netflix when there's a snowstorm and everything else, you know. And I, But like, I don't do it all the time. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's just like anything else. There's a season, you know, like the fall. Oh, you for think sure. of soccer and football and all that, and then it disappears. Like there's different like 10-week yes. periods where we're avid travelers and then we got to take a break and we sort of work on R and D and other research for the next, um, series of projects and adventures and things like that. But it's, you know, there, it's a healthy balance. It's not hundred percent. Dude, I'm with right. you. I'm with you on that. Like it is, it is a balance, but if everyone had balance, there wouldn't be all this obesity in America in particular. Right. And you look at America and it's just, you're, people are either way too sedentary or way too understimulated and it leads right. to all sorts of problems. Um, which well, I think the bottom line and again, we're, we're going off track, but regardless <laughs> what we, Good we're for going you. on eight, Thank yeah, you we're for going on, uh, 8 billion people in the world. Right. It's, 
there's there's too many people and we haven't figured out an efficient way for all of us to be here so we're never going to fix anything until we really reevaluate and have an honest look at what we're all doing wrong you know we're always pointing the finger instead of looking sort of inward of like do we really need that or do is there a better way to do that or how can i help somebody out instead of bettering myself but dude that's interesting the efficient way to be here for all of us is, is that like a China mandate, one kid per family I, thing? Is that I your think, platform for when you run for no. president? <laughs> That's funny because our Patreon this month, and I doubt any of the Patreon uh, people are listening. Just well, they're definitely not listening yet. But <laughs> we're, we made a bunch of like vote Ahab decals and stickers just oh. to goof off this year. <laughs> nice. But uh, but the thing is, everybody's like, "Oh, we got to save the planet." It's like. Uh, the planet's going to be just fine. It's going to kick us out pretty hard. That's right. the thing. You know what I mean? It's we're not unless we blow up, blow literally blow up the planet. It's still going to be here. We're going to be gone. So this is yeah. For it's what? the same reason with the COVID and the masks. If they all started, you know that thing. It's like if you said, "Oh, if you wear the mask, you protect yourself." Everybody would be wearing the masks here. But instead, it's like wear a mask to help other people, and they're like, "Ah, screw that." Yeah, right? it's the shopping cart syndrome. Right. You know, the litmus test, which is beautiful. I love right. like that was the one true thing I read on Facebook this year. Was yeah. the shop the reminder of like, who are you? And mm-hmm. ever since I read that, I'm like, you know what? I was a little bit of a shopping cart dick. Right. Like I got called out on it. I'm like, man, yeah. that's but it's true. If you're not putting that cart back in there just to take save someone thirty seconds, right. You're you're a dick. And it's so easy to be a prick, man. And like, and right. it's weird. Why? Why is it an American thing? Do you think, or do you think the shopping carts in Chile get put I, back? <laughs> I think. I mean, it's easy to say it's an American thing, but it's all over the world, one way or another. But we're easily the the go to um, stereotype. But at the same, it's that ripple effect, right? Like, if you cut somebody off in your car which makes them hit the brakes, which makes three other cars hit their brakes. Then they're all pissed off at you. They carry that to their job or wherever they're going. Right. They're going home with their family or whatever. Yeah. But instead, if you like hold that door for somebody and they smile and they're like, wow, that was awesome. Then they go into the store, they do something else. And it's just, you know, it's those type of things, those very small things that I think make those big ripples. So I don't think we have to change like our whole attitude. It's just like do something small and nice tomorrow and watch how much better you feel. And you don't even realize how, how it comes back to you later type of thing. Yeah, man, that energy stuff is real. The, again, whatever, if I'm getting older, I'm getting older, believing in it, (laughs) but like, it's a real, the vibes you give off, man. Um, the universe speaks back to you in whatever way it really does. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, we can both agree on that or other people disagree, but it's just, well, it they doesn't do matter wrong. who's right or wrong. It's <laughs> if you kidding. smile more than you frown at the end of the day, then you're doing it right. I feel like. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know. I, I've, that's always been something with frumpy people that I don't get. I'm like, so you woke up hoping to be pissed off. Like you really right. can't find a way to just enjoy whatever is that is going on. It, we got to make it this hard and complicated or you got to be upset that I can enjoy this. It's, right. it's always been a little, um, 
mental quandary in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I used quandary right, but I've been holding <laughs> that word in my back pocket, hoping to drop it. But like, I, I just don't get the mindset of frumpy. I feel like it's a choice. I feel like you get to choose to be frumpy or optimistic. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jeej, let's end on this, man. Since you spoiled it by actually preparing, by actually being (laughs) one of three. So you will not be able to name, I don't think you'll be able to name the two who know. Do you know the other two guests that knew what was coming at the end of the pod? I have no idea. I just accidentally, like I said, I was just listening to Dylan, who I've met in person, and then I picked Jonesy because I'm like, oh, comedian. Like I listen to Joe Rogan a lot. So I'm like, I listen to the scientists and the comedians. So I'm like, yeah, I think I can gamble on this. But I listened to Jonesy all the way to the end. And I'm like, oh, this happens. I got to, it wasn't like (laughs) I planned, but I instantly knew I wouldn't need any prep time for it, but I I knew it was coming. I sort of cheated because I'm, will call me an avid listener now. Thank you. Well, shit. I'm going to put that in the bio. Avid <laughs> listener. So shout out to Kristen, episode 29, and unpublished, but coming up next week, shout out to Eric, um, episode or guest 75, who knew what was coming and now you. But I feel like I'm going to fuck your name up, man. Like if, especially on late night, like I just feel like I'm constantly on the verge of saying your name wrong, which I feel would be very disrespectful. So I don't know if I'm going to include you on the shout outs, especially if I get four glasses deep on my favorite <laughs> red blend, Jeej. Uh-huh. Um, but all that to say this, let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. <laughs> so... Like I said, not that I've spent three weeks thinking about this or anything. But so I talked about the card game with my grandfather and his naval buddies, my uncles. And every year, one of my uncles always like they wrote down what they the trip they wanted to take with Ahab if they won, and they all put them in an envelope. So there's no way to change it last minute or be like bribed to ah. go with somebody else's, even though I'm sure they talked before. But one of my uncles always said that he wanted to go to the world's largest ball of twine in Kansas. <laughs> and I swear my grandfather and the other guys were like, you know, a un, unwritten secrecy, but they're just like, we're not going there ever. We're not driving <laughs> to that pointless ball of yarn. Like we're all teaming up against this guy and we're never letting him win this card game. And cause he was on like a 26 year losing streak when I heard about this. <laughs> and dude, wait, so every year he just keeps going back to the twine. He's like, you know yeah, what? He says, this is the ball year. Of twine. That's where I want to take Ahab. It's 26 <laughs> hours away. Let's do it. You know? And I heard this every year and, and some years he would get like, irate because he would be like you guys are cheating you know there's no way i i yeah he would really get into it because he wanted to go there and this is like two decades long on his bucket list wanted to take ahab there 26 years lord so in 2010 we took a road trip cross-country trip we took a you know we tried to do one every year because we wanted to understand our nation before we started visiting others yeah so we do road trips around the country, you know, go to Mount Rushmore, everywhere you can think of this, all the stereotype national parks. But one of the first things when we did our first like real, real road trip back and forth in 2010, I did that. I said, guys, we're 
anybody that's getting in this car, we're going to the world's largest ball of twine. Stop. That's the goal of the trip is to go to this silly thing. And we got there and it was, it, it smelled like mildew. It's just like this old rotting ball of twine, right? It's in this town that used to be known for the ball of twine, but now it's like nobody goes to see roadside attractions anymore, sort of dwindling. And I'm, I haven't been back there, but just the whole experience about like Ahab's about the excuse to do things. Right. So right. if I was like, if I didn't have Ahab and I was like, Hey, you want to go to the world's largest ball of twine? My friends would be like, ah, go, you know, you, Fuck we're yourself. not doing, yeah, yes. we're not doing that with you type of thing. But I'm like, Hey, we have to take Ahab here. It was one of my uncle's like dying wishes basically. And they're all like, yeah, let's do it. And they got so pumped. And it was one of the first like major goals we had to fulfill this bucket list item that my grandfather and all his buddies were like, screw him. We're not going there. That's the lamest place in the world. <laughs> but it was, so when we got there, it, like there was so much hype behind it, but then we got there and you could literally see like the, the little dust balls in the street and like nobody's around, you know, the oh. gas station has a sign that's like vintage from the thirties. I feel like, you know, it's just like a place that hasn't changed. And the biggest thing for it is the twine, but it just the, the feeling of accomplishment for it. And we were only there probably six minutes and then we moved on. There's nothing, there's, there wasn't like a, Oh, let's have breakfast at the diner. Right. There was nothing there, but it was just the fact that I could see why they didn't want to go there even decades before. Right. And when I got there, it was just like sitting there on the bench next to it, just laughing that it was just like, this is why they were tricking him. You know, they, they, they always they, made they it knew. so he didn't win. So they didn't have to do this. And when I got there, you know, we did a bunch of other things on that trip, met met a bunch of other people completely worth it, but I can see, like, I wanted to complete it for them. They all had like their last dying trip. Then we've completed them all at this point. Oh, no way. But but it's, it's one of those things like the ball of twine was just this like joke and they would, you know, borderline fist fights at the end of the night because he was like, no, we're going there this year and things like that. So the world's largest ball of twine in Kansas 10 years ago was one of our favorite trips just because of that, because it was like, I'm going to do this. None of them, you know, they're not looking down on us being like, I can't believe you brought him there. We swore we wouldn't bring Ahab there type of thing. <laughs> but it was just like, I did that to be like, okay, he got there, even though you guys didn't have to experience it. And yeah. that's been one of my favorite trips, even to this day with all the things that we've done. It's, it was it wasn't an experience that I, like, I don't recommend it for anybody. When you look <laughs> at the picture, the picture is 20 times more exciting than seeing it in person, I promise. But I never, ever tell people to go there. But it was one of those stories that they would always tell. And they're, you know, it's just like that unwritten secret. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're not letting him win ever because that's his next trip. <laughs> and he, you know, went to the grave with that never going there type of thing dude so i'm just, sure yeah i'm sure your your grandfather and your uncles just were looking down being like he actually fucking did it you son of a bitch i can't believe you brought him there we we spent 20 something years avoiding this place right <laughs> right but like in the most endearing loving way yeah oh my god dude how big is this ball of twine i i don't think i've ever heard of it to be honest with you oh it's the world's largest ball of twine it's I heard about it actually from a, a game called Sam and Max by Lucas Art. 
arts. Uh, they used to have a bunch of games before Star Wars was like their moneymaker type of thing. They had a bunch of other problem solving games and that's where it came from for me, besides hearing it around the card table. But it's probably 12 feet tall, 12 feet wide. That's probably. it? That's it? Yeah. 12 by 12. But, but when you think about it, it's like making a rubber band ball or anything else. Like right. how long would it take you to spin this around, like wrap it and all this stuff. But again, without social media, without the internet, it was just this guy in Kansas and some other guy up north. I can't remember if it was South Dakota. I don't, I don't want to give wrong information, but there was basically two farmers competing for the world's largest ball of twine. <laughs> and it just became this big hype thing, you know, what the news used to cover, like those cute, like contest camaraderie slash competition things. And now it's just like there and you can tell it's just, it's been there rotting from the inside out type of thing. God. Yeah. The mold smell was. Yeah. But that's like, it's one of my favorite stories to tell how we went there and it was just exciting as they explained, but it was just funny to be like, we made this whole trip around this five second sort of picture. And then we just moved on and we're like, yep. That's exactly why we shouldn't have done this type of thing. <laughs> but it was completely worth it because I had the backstory of 20 years or so of them like blocking that adventure from happening. Yeah, no doubt. What do you remember? What was your favorite part? And aside from, I guess, aside from seeing the ball of twine on that journey, what do you remember the most about it? Like so it was the first up? time, like we went to a, a bunch of different places on that trip. And we would camp and, and other things along the way. But it was just like, like I'm from the East Coast and it, everybody's friendly up in New England, especially in Western Massachusetts. It is like you said earlier, it, here you drive by people, you just wave, you know, you don't even know who they are, but they're like, oh, I've seen your truck for seven years or something. We've right. never talked. Everybody's super friendly. But when you, you get out into the, the central area of the nation or keep going, it's just like you realize that it's it's a lot different. You know, like the United States, we have 50 states, but it's not like Europe where it's like there's 12 different countries that border this one place or things. We all think we're together, but it's there's many different sections, even in our nation, where we're very different. Oh. And as we went across the country, this is one of the first experiences I had in our nation where it's like people are so different. 1500 miles away from where my home base is and i just i never fathomed that like you don't learn that stuff in school you're just like oh this is this is a country this is a country yeah it's like here's the borders but you don't realize how different and how even different the experiences are like in kansas compared to massachusetts or delaware or anywhere else what was so different about it well, even I remember we went to the gas station and it was literally like out of a movie. A guy's got a piece of straw in his mouth and, you know, the <laughs> the straw hat type of thing and just like didn't make conversation. He's used to being like, oh, nobody's been here in three hours to get gas or whatever else type of thing. And it was like right out of one of those movies. And you're like, these places aren't real, but it's completely real. And it's just the first time I experienced it. And that's what I remember from that small place. But we also went to so many national parks and everywhere else on that trip. It was some states we talked to a hundred people, other states we just drove through and nobody talked to us. So it's, it was, it was an interesting sort of first dive into a cross country trip and the things that nobody tells you when you go on a road trip, you know, you see it in the movies, but you don't, 
you don't think those things are real. Those little stories that happen in the movies. Dude, you just spurred another great point that we need to make sure gets out there that most likely no one will listen to unless they are sadistic like yourself. Um, (laughs) Anybody wanting to be this road trip person, anyone inspired to hop in, turn the keys, turn up the radio and roll. What are some things that they need to make sure they think about before they just drive? Oh, I was going to say, I, I think you shouldn't think about anything. No, really? Make sure you like, you've taken the time off of work or whatever adult responsibilities that you have, but it's really not hard to take 10 days and just get in a car like your vehicle or rent one. But for under a thousand dollars, you can make it across the country and back, you know, with a cooler, with just some of your favorite breakfast foods or whatever else, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And you can see most of the nation in a week or two weeks, you know, there'll be long days. You'll be 14 hour days type of thing, but it's very easy to really just embrace the, after the first couple of days of driving, you're just like, what else can we get to? We have so much time and it doesn't cost that much. It's just, it's very easy to do. And everybody thinks it's impossible. So it's literally just doing it, not letting the um, enormity of the situation get over you, huh? Right. Well, it's like, it's one of those things. Like if you're somebody that showers every morning and can't get through the day without a shower, like being in a car and feeling that sort of griminess after six hours of driving, you know, maybe it's not for you type of thing, but it's just do like, do it with less amenities. You don't have to stay at a beautiful hotel, like camp under the stars at Zion or the grand Canyon or any of those national parks and things where like really experience it. Like I, my biggest pet peeve of people are like, Oh, I've been to Colorado. I'm like, Oh yeah. Would you do that? They're like, well, I flew in a boulder and then I had a layover and then I went to, you know, San Francisco. So it's like, you've never really been to Colorado. You ate at a McDonald's in the airport type of thing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, if you really want to say you've lived somewhere or you, you visited somewhere or things like that, like just experience it. Don't go to the chain restaurant. Don't go to that chain hotel or anything like just do something outside of your comfort zone. Cause how many people that you know are going to judge you for it for one, unless you're posting it all over the place, Right. but just, you know, get out of, if you're complacent and comfortable, then you're, you're sort of doing it wrong. I feel like, but to each their own dude, 14 hours behind a wheel. 14 hours. Usually on the road trips, well, from here to like Chicago, there's not much going on at this point that we haven't seen type of thing. And then you get out to the Midwest, like I can make it to Boston in two and a half hours, but out West two and a half hours doesn't even, you know, there's a lot of nothingness between cities when you go, you know, into the mountains and the real mountains and things that the Western side of our nation has. But yeah, so we, we would do 14-hour days with stops in between visiting places, but we'd be on the road 14 hours a day easily every road trip. And, like, is this radio? Like, what kind of silly, stupid games are you killing the time with? Or, well, I mean, I, no. yeah. When people come with me, I, I find a – and I haven't done this lately, but I find a different pop, you know, culture star like Kesha or Avril Lavigne, those kind of people, and those are like – let's listen to them 1800 too many times on this road trip (laughs) type of thing. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, I don't enjoy it that much, but the fact that 
it bothers other people makes me enjoy the music that much more type of thing that gets me through a lot of road trips i'm not gonna lie about that holy shit dude so you pick pop star like you intentionally pick pop stars that you feel are overhyped or undeserving of their poppiness it's not even undeserving, but you know, everybody loves the song just because every radio station plays it 450 times a day. So everybody loves it. Uh huh. But so, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love Kesha. I won't say anything bad about her, but most of the other ones, it's just like, oh, I hate that song. And I'm like, that's going to be my favorite song this summer, then. Type of thing on a road trip. Because <laughs> there's only so many radio stations and so many songs they play when you're driving. You sort of just, I try not to make. You know, you don't make a CD or or put a thousand songs on whatever device you have to plug into your car. I, I sort of, when I'm driving, I just like to listen to whatever radio station comes in and whatever county we're in and things like that and really, like, understand where we're driving through. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But a lot of time, you know, the same pop star from the summer is on every radio station, and that's what it turns into. It's like, oh, we've heard Kesha 47 times. Oh, in the dude, last two so days not, type God, of thing. So I misunderstood, dude. I'm picturing like you're going through like four of her albums and just going no, no, start no. to finish. No, it, you're literally just that it song just happens has to, to be she's like you. the star of the summer, oh and it's God. like, nope, sorry, we can't change the station. Oh my God, dude, that you're you're nuts, man. You're nuts, <laughs> dude. Jeej, I am so glad that I got to know you. I'm so glad people are getting to know you, and um. So glad that Dylan hooked us up, man. This is no, this, uh, this was great. I've had so much fun. I, I can't believe we've talked for what has it been like seven hours already? Just, I mean, just half of a road trip. The sun's coming up here. Half of a road trip. It would, um, <laughs> exactly. We I could think, have been halfway across the country tonight. I think if they listen to this podcast and they left from your home, they might get to Washington, D.C. Depending hey, yeah, on they the speaker. literally could have said hi to me, listened to this, and then came and shook your hand. It's, yeah, right. Actually, you know, that'd probably be pretty close. <laughs> dude um i love the message you're sending and i literally think i might it's gonna be a strong consideration dude if i ever get to vegas and i don't want to but if i ever find myself in the opportunity where i have to get a tattoo i think i'm going ahab on my wrist man i hope you're not oh, mad at that, me for that but no, i think i'm doing it i think i've made that life decision yeah well we'll uh we'll touch base uh I'm sure. I mean, we'll keep in touch for sure. I have a feeling. Yeah. Oh, dude. Absolutely. Probably stuck with you forever now, unfortunately. Right. I love, dude. I, I, <laughs> dude, I love the concept. I love the story behind it. And I love the, um, the inspiration, like it's carpe diem type shit where you're like, man, seize the day. Enjoy it. You have a right as an American, apparently, um, to enjoy freedom. So why do we feel so tied to our jobs and these schedules, right? Like it's okay mm-hmm. to take two, three weeks off, man. Do a little planning, do a little budgeting, get with some people, have a great experience and make that a thing where you build these relationships. It, it's just an awesome message that I had no idea went into. Um, Cause I was a little skeptical. I'm like, so it's sticky. This dude just walks <laughs> around. He's just trying to get attention. Like what? And no, not at all. Yeah, not at all, dude. Clearly not at all. The the history and the story behind it is um it's awesome. It's refreshing, man. It's Neverland, you know? Um so thank you so much, Jeej, for coming on for sharing that story, dude. I so loved um getting to know you and getting to know the story. I really appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it too. And 
you know, maybe after we do Everest and things, I can, uh, I'll come back and tell you what an amazingly miserable experience it was climbing up that mountain with oh, Ahab it, on my back. It would have to be, God, 40, 40 extra pounds on top of, I, you know who I really feel bad for? Your friends who have to make up for the load that you're unable to take. Well, so that's, that's what I keep telling Dylan and everybody in the group. It's like, <laughs> I hope you really understand what we're doing because everybody's taking a little bit of <laughs> what I should have been carrying so we can make Ahab get to the top of this thing. Exactly, so, man. Like we're not that... the top to base camp. Yeah. It's not even it's the first step to the top. But uh but yeah. Dude, it'll be a great journey, man. Good luck with you. Good luck. Um going forward. I love the idea. I just I I love so much about the conversation, dude. I've really did it was um it was exactly what I needed to hear at this time. Yeah. I feel like Captain no. Ahab spoke to me tonight. Yeah. No, this was great because it's exactly – it's what we do. We just meet somebody and it's like we don't know how long we're going to talk for. And this wasn't – like you said, you you looked a little bit into it. You know, do your due diligence but not like you didn't know everything we've already done mm-hmm. and things like that. This no. was literally – you know, we were strangers three hours ago. Exactly. And it was awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your trek and enjoy your life's journey, my friend. Yeah. Cheers to you and everybody listening. Oh, dude, I'm like 15 cheers deep, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Enjoy your night. Thanks. See ya. Thanks to Jeej for coming on the pod, sharing the inspirational story behind Ahab, um, for having the passion that his grandfather had and for continuing to live it. I mean, like it's almost 70 fucking years at this time. It's a great concept. It's a great story. It's a great mindset. And it was really cool getting to know Jeej, um, Ahab and everything he's about. You can check out and keep up with Captain Ahab on Instagram. It's at Ahab's adventures. Link will be in the description. Thanks to andrepsyche.com for sponsoring the getting to know you pod. Go right now to andrepsyche.com. So I can't really tell you what to do. I have no authority over you, but I would highly suggest if I have any influence that you go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you have not already, and you've made it this far, it's one more click. Friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The word of the pod is ahoy. Ahoy is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it in yours to get a shout out on our very next podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. You can also go to our Patreon and support the pod for as little as $2 a month. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U pod. Search it up and your support especially the financial support, is extremely appreciated. Finally, speaking of finances, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that I am sure would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you need to do is message us. Ahoy! No, that's not like aloha where they use it for hello and goodbye. Maybe it is.